So gentlemen, I have my coffee. This is like my tradition now. Every every day, I, I think I drink like three cups of coffee. Well, on podcasting days, I drink three cups of coffee because I drink two cups during the podcast and then I drink one in the morning like I normally would, but it's like become my tradition to have coffee while I podcast. That's a good time. Um, we might actually upgrade to alcohol pretty soon, but we're not there yet. We're not <laughs> that fancy. Every point we talk about, we take a shot. Oh, boy. <laughs> talk about the podcast getting edgier. Every uh, week, every week, it's getting better and better, guys. We're going to be picked up by, like, some pretty raunchy networks pretty soon. I, I can already tell. <laughs> I can feel it now. Maybe Howard Stern might uh, check us out. <laughs> is Howard Stern still even on the radio? Is that even a thing still? I have no idea. I don't know either. I couldn't tell you. All right. Well, if you guys are ready, I am ready. I'm ready, ready too. All right. Well. Hello, Vault Hunters, and welcome to the Borderlands Show Podcast. I am your host, Cornholio, and on today's episode, we welcome the awesome Captain Kobe, creator of the most popular mod pack in Borderlands 2 called Borderlands 2 Reborn. We'll dive into all the juicy details from the May 1st gameplay reveal event, and we'll dive into all the info that we learned about Borderlands 3. And I want to welcome you all to our Borderlands 3 Info Explosion episode. And today, I want to welcome first up my co-host Caleb. What is up? I didn't eat a burger and a hot dog, but I did eat a burrito before the podcast. Oh, okay. Well, that's... It wasn't record time, though. How, how big was that burrito? It was very what? big. Okay. It was huge. But, but not a record time. Not record time. I, I thought I would take it slow and enjoy it this time. Good idea. You'll feel better after the podcast by Definitely. doing that. It'll help you digest. Yeah. So what, what kind of burrito did you have? Chicken um, with black beans, Mexican rice, and cheese and salsa. Or not salsa, sour cream. Man, you are making me want to get some Mexican food. It was very good. I may have to just do that after the podcast. We'll see. We'll see what's open after we're done. So we also welcome a very special guest on the show, Captain Kobe, creator of the most popular mod pack in Borderlands 2, Borderlands 2 Reborn. Welcome to the show. Hi, I'm Captain Kobe. <laughs> it's, uh, so, yeah. it's so great to have you on the show and thank you so much for being with us. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy to be on a podcast, actually, because... Uh, you know, I have I've never been on a podcast before, but I always wanted to like just talk about a topic. You know, that's about that's what a podcast is for. Yeah, and that's why I wanted to. We both wanted to start this, and I I was like, I really want to talk about Borderlands, but my best friend that I always game with, he doesn't like Borderlands. So how am I <laughs> supposed to talk about this? Podcast was the result of this. Yeah, it's it's kind of a similar story for me because my best friend doesn't really he has the game, but he doesn't really play it much. Certainly not enough to 
podcast about it. He does podcast with me about Destiny every week. Shout outs to Shadow Price. And uh, go follow him on Twitter, Shadow Price79. He needs more followers. Shoot him some love. He's really cool. He talks about Nintendo and Destiny. And I'm getting him into Borderlands. That will happen soon enough. But shout outs to him. We actually started podcasting together back in January. And we always wanted to do a podcast. And Destiny seemed like an appropriate game to start with. And over the, I guess, five months now that we've been podcasting there, I've learned quite a few things. And I thought it would be a good time to start a podcast about Borderlands. And I found Caleb, and he seemed to have similar interests. And here we are today podcasting about the game that we are so excited to play September 13th, Borderlands 3. And wow, that reveal. Yeah, wow. We're going to talk more about that in just a little bit. And for all of our listeners, thank you so much for your support, first off, because your support has been absolutely tremendous. The amount of support that you guys are giving us is crazy. We really appreciate you guys. And thank you very much for giving us love on social media. Thank you for the follows and thank you for listening to our podcast. Thank you for your review and thank you for subscribing. We really appreciate you guys. And you can find the Borderlands Show podcast on all of your favorite podcasting platforms. We're on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, Anchor, Podbean, and all of your favorite podcasting platforms. You can also find us on the web at www.borderlandsshow.com for all of the latest episodes and the show notes for every single episode right on our website. You can also find us on Instagram at The Borderlands Show, where we post little previews and snippets of the episode that you can expect each and every week, and we'll be posting more cool stuff for you to enjoy on your smartphone. So let's talk to Captain Kobe and let's learn a little bit more about him with our Vault Hunter interview series. So Captain Kobe. Yeah, hi. (laughs) How did you get started playing Borderlands? How did all, all of this start for you? So this is kind of a long story because, uh, I come from like the release of Borderlands the pre-sequel, actually. I didn't play Borderlands 1 or 2 before that, which is inter- it's, it's kind of interesting, yeah. So uh, my friends always played Borderlands 2, and they always wanted me to play the game, but I wasn't really interested at that, top- at that time. I was busy doing like uh, school stuff. I was busy playing other games and all that stuff. And with Borderlands the pre-sequel, I saw the opportunity to play with my friends the moment it released, so that we were all on the same level, basically. And uh, before I started, before Borderlands pre-sequel came out, I started actually checking out Borderlands 2. And I was like, hey, this game's pretty cool. I should maybe, like, get into it. And that's where it's just, like, it spiraled into this insanity of what Borderlands is. And... uh, that's basically how I got into Borderlands. Like, I got interested in how the mechanics work. I got interested in what story the game has. I got interested in the first game of Borderlands. And, you know, eventually Borderlands pre came out. And the same thing there. I got interested in 
in the lore of the game, I got interesting uh, interested in how the game is different to Borderlands 2. And I got also interested and involved with the community of Borderlands in general. Very cool. And do you have a favorite thing about Borderlands for you personally? I think it's just this very unique feeling of a game. Like, I don't, I don't feel like there is any game like Borderlands out there which conveys the looter shooter genre in that way. Like, we do have uh, games like Destiny, we have uh, Division, we also now have Anthem. That's, those are the three, like, big looter shooters going around right now, which I, I would say. But I feel like they don't convey uh, the looter shooter, looter shooter genre as much as Borderlands does. And I also really like the, the writing of the game. Like, it's very, it's not completely serious. And it's very, like, I, I, I can't explain it. It's just a very unique experience in general. I agree. I think the writing is fantastic. Um, and then kind of how you mentioned that you started Borderlands because you wanted to play with friends and you could start the pre-sequel at the same time. That's exactly how I got into Borderlands 2 is because I started with that. I wanted to find a game that my friend and I could play together. And so we just started playing together, but just couch co-op, not even online. And then once that started, it was over. So it's, I'm really interested in hearing the stories of people who get started because they wanted to play with friends, since that's such a huge draw of Borderlands. Yeah, yeah, and for I, sure. And for me, it was really the same thing because me and my other best friend, Mr. Swirly, we actually started playing Borderlands together, and it was couch co-op for us too we just wanted to find a game that we can play together and there's something so special about borderlands between the massive amount of unique and different weapons that you have in the game between the really awesome shooting mechanic and also the the way that the style is in borderlands from the art style <clears throat> to the the way you can get second wind and how all the action is all paced it's such a unique and incredible way, and it's so perfect when it all comes together. The humor in the game, the storyline, the different characters, and how they don't really take themselves too seriously, and how all of the different skill trees and all the different abilities come together in this perfect way. It's the perfect co-op game, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, every time like people ask, what should I play with my friends? Like, I want the new game. I want to play with my friends. I want to, like, have fun. I always Borderlands is mentioned uh, because I, Borderlands just has a very unique co-op experience, especially, like, with all the loot, with uh, the different skill trees, the characters, and all that stuff. And uh, I think it's a huge selling factor of Borderlands. The fact that it's so it has such good co-op and also coach co-op, which is still a thing, actually. A lot of games don't do that anymore, but Borderlands still does it. Yeah, and you have games like Call of Duty, Black Ops 4, that completely abandoned story, and yet you see games like Borderlands 3 very heavily focusing on the story aspect. It is not an online game that you have to have a persistent online connection in order to play. You can enjoy the game offline with your friends sitting right next to you. But if you do want to play it online with friends from, let's say, Germany, 
you could go ahead and do that. So that's pretty cool and special about Borderlands. And I really love that in Borderlands 3, they kept true to what makes Borderlands unique and different. And they just made it better and bigger and more awesome and more amazing. So I think that's pretty cool. So Captain Kobe, you created the most popular mod pack in Borderlands 2, Borderlands 2 Reborn. How does something like that happen? How, how did you first learn to code and to write software in such a way? So uh, I, first of all, I want to mention that Borderlands 2 modding is less about code and more about uh, knowing, knowing how the code works. Um, I don't know where to get started, but basically we just take objects from the game, uh, which have like very readable uh, text, basically. So it's not, it's not actual code, it's just objects from the game and their um, arguments and all that. And we just modify these objects like uh that that's the big issue with Borderlands 2 modding right now. Uh we don't have an SDK for actually creating content. We can only edit existing objects with existing arguments and objects. So we are very limited. And uh, how I got into uh Borderlands modding or how I learned to code this game is also kind of a funny story. So uh Borderlands 2 modding became available to us in March 27th, if I remember correctly, which was the release of the Borderlands 2 unofficial community patch by Shadow Evil. And um, during that time, I actually was very active in this community. I was uh, also a moderator on his Twitch channel. And, you know, after that, Borderlands modding just kind of blew up. Everybody started picking it up. Everybody wanted to learn about it because, you know, everybody loves Borderlands. Everybody wants to play more Borderlands, and modding is exactly that. And um, so he wanted to work more on the unofficial community patch, and he looked for people to help him with it. So I was like, yeah, sure, I can like help manage a thing or two. I can maybe like look at it. And uh, I was like, yeah, I can also write the change logs and all that if you give me the code so I can like read into it. And basically by working on the unofficial community patch and slowly learning how things are structured, how it's written. Uh, I, I learned to code myself or mod this game myself because it's actually fairly simple if you get into it. And it's very accessible. Like you don't need to know any coding languages. You don't need to know Unreal Engine or anything like that. And uh, that's basically how I got into modding this game. Like uh, my interest just got bigger the more I learned about it. And I wanted to see what I can actually do in Borderlands 2. Like, what can I change? What can't I change? And what are my limits? That's what I wanted to experience. I wanted to see what I can do and what I can't do. Did you have a big background in coding prior to this? I have absolutely no coding knowledge. <laughs> wow. Like, that, that, that's, what, that's what I mean. Uh, this game is very accessible when it comes to modding. You don't need to know any coding languages, actually. You just need to know how to read, basically. That's interesting. That's incredible. So what's the learning curve for somebody who just doesn't really know anything about modding 
to learning how to create the biggest mod in Borderlands 2? So um, it very much depends on what you want to change in the game, but it, it ranges from extremely easy to almost impossible. Like there's even things we could do, but we can't do because we don't have the experience for it. Uh, let's take, for example, a simple gun. Uh, we can't add actually we can't actually add new guns, so we need to replace an existing gun. Like let's say the Uncantero. Everybody knows the Uncantero. So all we need to do, uh, for example, we want to change the name. So we just check, uh, take the object, the title, which is the Uncantero. Uh, we just set it to a different name, and that's it. That's it's like one line of code, and that's it. That's how you wow. change the name. Uh, then it goes to weapon attributes, like how strong is the gun, what are its stats, uh, what makes it unique. Now, that's where it gets a little bit more complicated. You need to start looking into formatting. Like, you need to make sure the parenthesis and all that stuff is, like, in the right place. You need to make sure uh, you use diff the right formula for everything. Like, there's, like, I think three or four math types called. And then you just need to check that it actually, like, it doesn't break. Like, uh, if, you, if you use the wrong math type for, for example, fire rate, the fire rate overflows into negative and the game just empties itself on one click, basically. Because <laughs> it just shoots so fast that, you know, it just empties your whole Mac instantly. And um, So what happens then? Um, nothing happens then. Like, you're Does the just... game crash or...? No, 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 uh, the game doesn't crash. It's just, uh, it's, I guess it's kind of difficult for the game to handle if you have a very big gun, like the chopper, for example, which has like a mag of a thousand. But uh, the game doesn't really crash. It's just like, okay, this happened. Guess we'll move on. But um, yeah, it's actually very hard to crash this game with like shooting or anything like that, unless it comes to something like Boring Bunker. <laughs> But, yeah, going back to uh, the learning curve, um, what makes modding in this game very difficult is making complicated stuff. And by complicated, I mean even simple stuff like, uh, let's take the Butcher, which is a perilous and shotgun. And every time you shoot it, it has a chance to not consume ammo, and it's that refill your ammo. So you basically, if you have good luck, you can just shoot forever. And right. this, this small mechanic already is a behavior. Uh, we call them BPDs, uh, because that's how they are referenced in the code. And modifying these, or changing these, or even rewriting, rewriting these, that's actual coding. Like, that's very difficult. And I personally still can't really work with it. So it, it ranges from very simple ed edits, like changing names, changing text, uh, changing maybe attributes. Very difficult stuff like, let's say, character skills, uh, weapon mechanics, special mechanics, all that stuff. So earlier you were talking about wanting to reach your limits and find your limits for modding in Borderlands. What would you say those limits, what, what have you found those limits to be? What is like the coolest thing you've been able to do? So I guess the coolest thing I've been able to do was working on Maya and Gage, Build to Reborn, because they, they got 
uh, like I promote it as a major rework, but actually it's just like a few core skills have been changed. Like for example, Maya has this skill, which is called Scorn, which uh, she's, she throws out a slag orb and just slags everything around that orb. And I changed that skill to basically be a second action skill. And she basically just throws out, uh, instead of a slag orb, a fire orb, which burns everything around it. Wow. And um, first problem was actually increasing the damage of the action skill, because that's also a behavior. And I actually had to uh, write a whole new formula for the damage. Uh, because I can't just say this number goes from 6 to 10, for example. I can't do that. I had to write a whole formula, which right. multiple things factor in, like elemental damage, gun damage, character level, game stage, all that stuff. And then also changing the visual effects of uh, the action skill uh, or the MIDI skill, I guess. So it's not like purple slag, but instead it's like orange, fiery. and that's also only numbers, which is the problem. Um, basically, anything which is visual in this game, for example, weapon skins, uh, character effects, in, in general, just uh, effects, everything is changed through numbers and textures in this game. So it's, it's a lot of trial and error. What would you say is the Borderlands 2 Reborn for any of our listeners who have not got a chance to download the mod pack. Okay, so imagine you have a thousand hours into a game, right? You play the game, you start from scratch, and you basically know everything. You know your role, you know uh, what weapons you want to get, you, want, you know how you want to play your character, all that stuff. With BO2 Reborn, all of that knowledge is basically gone. Uh, Guild to Reborn changes the game fundamentally so much that you need to relearn a lot of things. You need to relearn what weapons do. You need to kind of relearn how the character plays in the game. And you need to relearn, for example, loot pools. Like, almost all loot pools are changed in Guild to Reborn. You need to learn which character, uh, which enemy drops which item and all that stuff. And, um... What else you can expect is, for example, uh, quest rewards are completely changed. Instead of like rewarding you like a green weapon, which is not very favorable, most quest rewards in this game are actually random now. So depending on how difficult the quest is, it can reward you much better gear at a random rate. So it could be it could be a shield, it could be a gun, it could be a grenade, and at a much at a much higher rarity than it used to be. And I guess also, as I mentioned before, uh, the complete rework to Maya and Gage, which make both, both characters a lot more viable and more interesting to play, especially Gage, in my opinion. Because Gage was very focused on Anarchy, and she didn't really have any weapon damage skills besides Anarchy. And Reborn changes that. She actually has a very viable shock build now, uh, where she can just go all shock weapons and just kill everything. And Anarchy in itself uh, works, still works the same, except the overall stack count is reduced, but more benefit per stack. So you don't have this feeling of having high Anarchy all the time. You need to stack Anarchy all the time. You don't have that pressure feeling anymore. 
and it makes gauge a little bit more dynamic while while playing and I think that's really awesome because a lot of people, uh, they always felt like, oh, yeah, I just locked into Gage. Guess I need to take 30 minutes to take all my anarchy until I can actually play the game. And that's not a case anymore with Build to Reborn. Like, you, you can just jump in, play Gage, go into an area, and just start playing stuff. That sounds great because I'm someone who always liked playing Gage. Problem is, I'm on PlayStation, so I can't experience this, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, that's that's a shame. Like, a lot of people actually ask daily if, if like, for example, the, the patch or Borderlands 3 Reborn or modding in general can be done on consoles, but, you know, can't. <laughs> it, it, it might be able to, but we don't look into it. We don't want to look into it. And if so, it's probably not even actually possible <laughs> because the game is actually uh, written differently on consoles than it is on right. PC. Yeah, there's a few there's a few actual mechanical changes between the console and the PC edition. For example, Death Trap, uh, Gage's action action skill, and the turret from Axton, uh, they work a little bit different on consoles than it does on PC. Hmm. That's really interesting. I wasn't aware of that. It works works different, like gameplay wise or technically. I did not know that. That's a cool uh, more technically, like yeah. uh, they both scale a little bit different and. I, get, I think their AI is a little bit improved because, you know, uh, I don't know how to explain it, but I guess a turret and death trip need to work better on a console because I, I think it's a little bit harder to move around and aim and everything on console for the average player, I guess. For example, if I would go and play on a console, I wouldn't be able to like play because I, I can't <laughs> use a controller. I'm actually unable to use a controller. I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, uh, so the scaling from de for Death Trap and Turret are different. Like, they scale that to the end of the game. And there's actually a very nasty bug with Gage, which is fixed in the console version, but not in the PC version, with in which includes Death Trap. Interesting. Wow. Now, would you say that Gearbox has been supportive of the project since you started uh Borderlands to Reborn? Uh, not at all. Nope. <laughs> um, so I guess uh, when the unofficial community patch came a thing and it grew in popularity, uh, they allowed discussion about it on the official Gearbox forums, but they didn't like. I, they didn't reach out to us at all. They didn't like help us at all. They didn't even like really mention it, and. Uh, even with the new Borderlands stream team, which became a thing with Borderlands 3, they even uh, told them to not stream modded gameplay, which they still did, but, Borderland, uh, but Gearbox didn't notice. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, they don't, I don't, they don't really want to promote it because Borderlands 2 modding isn't really official. Like, we don't have an SDK, we just basically just uh, reverse engineered modding, which is probably why they don't really appreciate it. So they don't. So, so they don't have a public like, API that allows you to do these things officially. Okay. Correct. We need to. We need to actually hex edit the game to allow modding. That's really interesting. That's wild because so many games 
usually so many developers usually support modding fully because it keeps people it keeps giving people fresh content on their games without them actually having to do stuff so yeah it was actually uh as far as we know it was a decision by 2k games to not uh give us modding tools for borderlands 2 uh I don't know if it's true, but there's rumors around saying that uh, 2K is scared that modding would reduce DLC sales and all that stuff. But I think that's just stupid. Like, like, let's look at Skyrim, for example. Skyrim has an absolutely blooming modding community, and they still sell their DLC and all that. Yeah. Which you could also see with Borderlands 1, uh, because Borderlands 1 actually has uh, an SDK. Like, you can actually mod the game with actual tools. Uh, also, fun fact for that, Borderlands 1 modding is the exact opposite of Borderlands 2 modding. In Borderlands 1, you can only add and... or you can only add new things. You can't really touch the original game, the base game. And in Borderlands 2, you can only touch the base game, but you can't add <laughs> new funny. things. Wow. <laughs> That's really interesting. Yeah, it's, 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 it's kind of funny how that came to be. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So how did the Borderlands 2 Reborn project get started? So uh, I mentioned earlier that uh, I was helping with the unofficial community patch. And during that time, I was helping out. Uh, a, lot of uh, a lot of mods also released by other people. And I was like, sure, the unofficial community patch is nice, but I want to make for myself, I want to make uh, a modded Borderlands version for myself, where I can just like use new gun, new guns, new uh, weapon types, and all that stuff. So it started off as a very small collection of mods for myself, which I enjoyed playing with. And I started playing with a friend, uh, the mod pack online, and he was like, "Hey, that's pretty cool. You should maybe like." Uh, you, look, you should put more stuff into it so like it gets bigger and all that. And that's what exactly what I did. Like I reached out to the modders who released their mods on, uh, on the official GitHub for Borderlands modding. And they were like, yeah, sure, that, I'm fine with that. So I just, uh, just started adding mods to the small mod pack I made for myself, which uh, when I thought, hey, this mod is pretty cool, I want that. And eventually it grew in size up to like 50 mods which is already kind of insane and people uh, saw me playing this and they wanted hey they said hey i want to play this too so what then became a thing was the k-pack that was the original name of the orleans 2 reborn mod pack and the k-pack was just a very small version of Borderlands 2 reborn basically except almost none of it was my own work uh, almost all of it was just work from the modders, obviously uh, uploaded with permission and all that. But I didn't really put any effort myself into it because I wasn't very advanced modding yet. All I did was uh, like format the code so it doesn't conflict between the mods. And eventually, uh, the Borderlands Community Mod Manager became a thing, developed by Light Chaos Men specifically for Borderlands 2 modding. And through that tool, I saw the possibility to learn 
Orleans modding because it actually gives you very nice tools to learn modding, to learn the code. And I started adding more mods to, uh, to the K-Pack back then, or I guess Borderlands to Reborn. And I started adding my own stuff. I started making my own mods, like very minor mods, just gun replacers, and started making small quality of life fixes because that's, what, that's what's very important, just quality of life stuff, just that the game is very enjoyable to play. And... I started implementing that into the mod pack. So it became a weird mix between being a mod pack, but also being a separate mod because it both had changes from myself and both had my own mods, but it also had original mods from other moder- um, from other mods. <laughs> and yeah, it was it was kind of weird. Like people also called me out on that. Hey, you can't do that. You can't do that. But I was like, yeah, sure. I uh, I actually can do that. <laughs> I got the permission to do stuff. I got the permission to actually edit mods from other people. And yeah, people actually reached out to me and were like, hey, can you add this mod to uh, to your mod pack? I want to see it in the mod pack. And so it just grew in size until eventually I didn't really have time anymore to develop it. So the project uh, was kind of like put down for, I think, six months. I was just very busy in general with with uh, real life stuff, and I revived the K pack as Beal to Reborn because Reborn like a phoenix, and it, it, it gained uh, quite a bit of uh, traction. And I worked on it again for around four months, expanding on it, fixing bugs, all that stuff. And again, I had to leave. I had to work a lot on my real life stuff. And project was laid on ice again. And in December 2018, I released Build to Reborn on Nexus mods for the first time. Before that, it was always GitHub. And Nexus mods, obviously a very large site, lots of people know it, uh, gains a lot more traction. And Build to Reborn started getting a lot of traction. I was very overwhelmed by how many people actually started downloading the game and making content for it. Uh, people actually started making YouTube videos for it. They started streaming it. For example, uh, Joel Stude, K- uh, K6, and Shadow Evil. All three of them started uh, streaming the game. And that brought a lot of people into the modding community in general. And that's how the project got started. That's how it is right now. Like I'm working on it based on feedback from other people. That is really cool. So how many hours a week do you spend on BL2 Reborn, would you say? Um, I guess when, I, when it became available on Nexus Mods in December 2018, it depended on how much time I actually had to work on it and how motivated I was to work on it. But there were days where I worked like 10, 10 hours on it. Like, for sure, like on weekends, I work like 10, 12 hours per day on it because uh, time passes very fast when you work on stuff you enjoy. Oh, right. <laughs> yep, I and, agree. <laughs> and um, if I would need to give you a number for how many hours per week, I would say maybe like 30 hours per week. Like basically, my, 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 my time, I do not work on my full-time job. Most of it either goes to playing games or working on Beelzebub, depends on how I'm wow. feeling right now. But 
uh, last few weeks, uh, the hours worked on Build to Reborn kind of went down because I released my big update. And I want to kind of cool down and not burn out on working Build to Reborn. That's definitely understandable. Yeah, and we're going to talk about the update that came out just uh, a couple of weeks ago, I want to say, right? Yeah, it, uh, it released, um, I think, two weeks ago, on like uh, third week of April. And the big change for it was the whole rework of loot pools in this game. Uh, so most major enemies, most bosses, and most named enemies drop a specific legendary. And my goal was to change all of these legendaries and move them around. So basically, um, if you go to an enemy, like Savage Lee, you know he drops the Uncantaro, and you kill him in Build Reborn, and he drops a shield. That's a completely different feeling, like you weren't expecting that. And that's basically for every single boss, every single major enemy in the game. So I, I, I started working on that, and I thought I could make an event out of that, actually. Uh, so what I did was usually I push complete change logs for every single thing I do in Build to Reborn. And I decided to leave out the whole loophole changes. So the, uh, the, the community got the new update, but it didn't know anything about the loot pools. And uh, that was the build to reborn hunt, because there is um, a big event, which is like annually for Borderlands, right. the hunt. And um, people just like, they, they try to get every single legendary, every single unique item in the game over a course of week. And I, I decided to make my own version of it and told people, hey, here's a, a Google Doc. Go ahead and find every single unique item in BL2 Reborn. And that's basically, that event lasts like a week until everything was found. And it actually took quite a bit of time for people to find all the new items. And uh, I don't know, it was a very unique feeling. And that was the major change of the new update. Basically allowing people to experience the game like it was completely new. Like they couldn't look up uh, where items dropped, they, they didn't know which items dropped, and they also didn't know what the item was because the new update also replaced a lot of gear. I think uh, I think it was 30 items which were replaced in the last update. So almost every item in this game is already replaced. There's a few items which are still aren't replaced, but I'm working on that. Do you know which ones haven't been replaced? Uh, uh, I, knew, I know a few which aren't replaced, but that's mainly because it's not my area of expertise. Like, most weapons are already replaced. I know, for example, the um, the Framington's Edge, which is just a blue Hyperion sniper, is still not replaced, but I'm working on that right now. Um, there's quite a few shields which still aren't replaced. Grenades almost aren't replaced at all. But that's because modding grenades is a very weird thing. It's very inconsistent and it works a little bit differently than almost every every item in this game. Uh, it's just weird to mod. And I guess also relics and class much was still aren't changed all I'm that curious. much. Curious. So this is coming from someone who I know you you said it's not really coding. 
This is coming from someone who doesn't really understand modding and dropped out of a coding class in college. Um, okay. Is it possible <laughs> to mod or like change the look of, say, a head customization item? Yes, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, like uh, I mentioned it before, almost everything which is which is visual, like skins, effects, all that, is changed through numbers and existing textures. Um, I guess you can change the colors of skins very easily if you know how to do it. But I don't think you can actually like add a new hat onto a hat customization, for example. Like That's not possible. You can only change the texture okay. itself. I guess... Um, there was a modding tool for Borderlands 2 uh, quite a while ago, actually, which was called TextMod. TextMod was a completely different tool. Like It worked on the basis of extracting a texture from the game and then injecting it into the game again. So you basically could modif modify a texture and put it into the game, which only you saw. But that, that's a whole different story, and I wasn't around <laughs> for that. That's interesting. Yeah, definitely. And what would you say are some of the challenges that you faced as you created Battle uh, Borderlands 2 Reborn? I guess um, the biggest changes are the technical changes, like not replaces, not uh, simple skill changes. For example, loot pools. Um, so Battle to Reborn adds a lot of new pearlescent guns and also shields, which didn't exist in Borderlands 2 before. Like, there were no pearlescent shields, only weapons. And I had a lot of issues actually making the shields and the new gear drop the same way as all other pearlescents in the game. Um, because I obviously can't balance-wise uh, leave the pearlescent or the new pearlescent gun in the old loot pool. For example, uh, the conference call, which dropped from the end boss of Borderlands 2. Uh, I couldn't leave that in his loop because the new Pearlescent replacer for the gun is absolutely bonkers and just destroys everything. And <laughs> that's, why I didn't, that's why I didn't want to leave it in the original loop pool. So I wanted to make all Pearlescents drop the same way as the original Pearlescents from Borderlands 2. And the problem is that First of all, uh, we have four DLCs, four story DLCs, which all have their own definitions for everything because uh, the, the DLCs, or the first three DLCs were outsourced. So they were, they were not made by Gearbox, which by the way, is a pain in the ass to deal with when it comes to modding because it's very inconsistent and very different from the original Gearbox code. And, um, what made it difficult is adding basically all the items which are now Perlicens into the existing Perlicens pools, which I think there is a total of five Perlicens pools in this game. And you had to make sure that you got the right one. Uh, there was When I released an update for BL to Reborn, people got Perlicens randomly in normal, normal mode like the first playthrough, which, is, which isn't supposed to be possible. Uh, that was an interesting bug. Um, another funny one was uh, the warrior, 
the final boss of Borderlands 2, started dropping Perlicens out of the blue all the time because uh, I caught a wrong little pool. And another one was Perlicens being randomly rewarded as a quest reward for no reason at all and very commonly. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't... I couldn't figure out why. It took a very long time to actually figure out why this is happening because it's very hard to backtrack uh, in such a big mod pack. And it's also very hard to figure out where, uh, for example, a quest reward pulls from. And um, I guess it's very hard to backtrack if there are so many loopholes in this game. For example, if I want to backtrack where exactly this gun drops, uh, there are so many paths it takes. For example, the original Lupul, for example, let's take the Verok. Uh, the Verok is a dull assault rifle and usually drops from Wobbly, but it could also drop as a world drop. It could drop from loot midgets. It could drop from general legendary pools. And that's already four Lupuls you need to edit if you change the gun. And it, it's, it becomes a lot of work when you change a lot of gear. And uh, what I mentioned earlier was the DLCs. So I don't know how they managed to break it, right? Uh, the DLCs were outsourced, and they are coded a little bit differently. And if I were to remove a gun from that DLC and put it into the original game, and I run the mod pack, the gun just unloads. Like it stops physically existing in the game for no reason at all. That's that, tough. That is Cornelio's dog. <laughs> that is Rocky. He uh, woke up to join the podcast. <laughs> Don't mind him. He just likes to get his two seconds no of uh, fame. Rocky, come here. <laughs> but yeah. Um, so what I did for Beal to Reborn was uh, there's, a, there's a couple of moxie weapons in this game which heal you if you deal damage with them. And I decided to move all the Moxie items into Moxie's tipping pool. Like, you can tip Moxie with a little bit of money right. in Sanctuary, and she will hand you out usually the good touch or the bad touch. And I moved all the Moxie items into that pool, so she randomly gives you a Moxie wow. item. The, the, the problem with that was that uh, the Kitten, which is a flat-off assault rifle from the Torque DLC, I moved that from the quest report to the Moxie pool, which left the original loot pool empty of the quest reward where the kitten was. And the game didn't like that. Uh, the game decided to unload the kitten. And when you were tipping Moxie and she wanted to give you a kitten, and the game, uh, the, the kitten was unloaded, the game just crashed like straight away. And uh, that was a big, uh, the big issue with. I think Reborn version 1.3.6, which released in February. Um, I got a lot of crash reports, and I had to backtrack on all of them, which took like a week to fix all of the crash problems. And all of the crash problems were caused by loot pools. So that was a big hurdle for me. Like I had to figure out why it crashes, why it happens in general, and I had to come up with a fix. Like, I had to, for example, add a new reward to the quest instead of the kitten. And 
I think that was like uh, one of the hardest parts for me. Uh, fixing crashes is always very difficult because you need to figure out where they come from, why they happen, and how you can fix them. Does sound like a lot of work. Yeah, it was <laughs> a lot of work uh, originally, but uh, once I figured out why the crashes happen, I could backtrack on them, and I just had to come up with a fix for it. So that's pretty cool. I want to move on to the rainbow tier. Yeah, let's talk about the rainbow tier. Um, so you recently uncovered rainbow tier in Borderlands 2. That's right. Now, how did all of that come uh, about? This is also a very funny story, because technically I didn't find it myself. Uh, and we didn't find the rainbow rarity through modding or through data mining or anything like that. Gearbox basically handed us the rarity through uh, because of modding. So uh, the patch which dropped on April 3rd, which added the uh, HD texture pack for Borderlands 2, broke the hex edit which is required for modding. And uh, we had to basically do it the old way, the old-fashioned way, and hex edit it very completely manually. And so it went into the newly patched game with the mod pack, or let's say the unofficial community patch. And both of them change the rarity level colors, which is where all rarities are stored. We didn't know that Gearbox secretly added the rainbow rarity. And we were very confused when white weapons start, uh, started dropping as rainbow animated rarities. And... People reported this to us, like, we didn't know why, why this happened. So I went ahead and checked the in-game code for the rarity level colors. And that's how I discovered the rainbow rarity, like, uh, that it's actually referenced in the code as rainbow rarity. And that it actually is an attribute which you can apply to any weapon, any item. And that's where basically the digging started. Because we thought, oh, it's just HD textures. Gearbox didn't add anything, but they actually added quite a few, uh, quite a few very interesting things to this game, uh, namely the rainbow rarity, and also a few days, or I guess a few a week or two after the rainbow rarity was found, we also found very interesting lines in the code uh, which reference to um, having your your whole lot, uh, your whole Weapon loadout being rainbow rarities as an achievement. Uh, for example, I think I think there's um, an achievement for Borderlands 2 which, re which requires you to have full purple loadout, and that's basically the same achievement but for rainbow rarity. Like there's an actual line in the code for that, and uh, we started digging around all that and we found a few very interesting things. But you know, we don't know if Gearbox is actually going to do anything with it. We don't know if there's going to be a new DLC as rumored. But uh, if you were to ask me personally, I would say Borderlands or uh, Gearbox is maybe promoting Borderlands 3 through Borderlands 2 by adding new content before Borderlands 3 releases, which leads up to the story of Borderlands 3. I don't know how they are going to do it. My uh, first guess would be the, um, the Borderlands VIP system, which they added on their website. We could just uh, do some referral stuff for getting points and redeeming these points for 
golden keys and in the future also for additional stuff like probably weapon skins emotes and all that for borderlands 3 and i feel like they are gonna add stuff for the existing games like let's say rainbow weapons they could totally do that the technology is there through shift now do you think they're just going to add some additional weapons into the existing game or do you think they will create almost dlc sized content that you get to play maybe a new mode that we didn't get to play before so i don't i don't like i personally don't like speculating about that stuff because it could be very wrong but uh, if we were to trust like secret steam db updates which were found by i guess uh submatter namingly um we could assume that these secret updates in, in the Steam database indicate that it's a fully fleshed out DLC for Borderlands 2 because Gearbox names all their projects after flowers and trees and bushes. Uh, flowers are very minor content add-ons, like, for example, the hat on the packs and microtransactions like skins and hats. Uh, bushes are... Uh, medium-sized content add-ons, like, for example, characters uh, like Gage and Creek. And trees are always campaign add-ons. And the secret Steam database update for Bolens 2 is named after a tree. So if that is actually a DLC that is upcoming, then we could expect an actual campaign DLC coming for Bolens 2. Wow. And, yeah, that's... You know, as I said, I don't like speculation, but everything indicates to that. And uh, another thing which was found in the code by a friend of mine called Mikey Ray. He's also very big in the modding community. And I guess also lots of other Borderlands modders. Um, They found lines for Borderlands 2 uh, through the new update, which referenced to... Uh, I don't know how to describe it really. Basically, um, imagine a battle royale game. You have this safety bubble, right? Which slowly shrinks and you need to stay in that safety bubble. Uh, They kind of added a class for exactly that. So there is a safety area, which if you are outside that safety area, you take damage. And if you are inside that area, you start healing. Now, you know, you could say it's uh, it's a battle royale mode which they might add but i can safely say that's not what they're doing because the borderlands engine can't handle like a lot of players at once there's actually a mod which allows unlimited players in the lobby like it just unlocks it and once you start going over like six or seven players the game starts freaking out like there's a lot of weird stuff happening and yeah, there's also other stuff referenced, like, uh, again, with the achievement lines, there's an achievement which is uh, referenced as player killed Slagenstein. Like, that might be a new boss name or something like that. But there's a lot of, like, split code in the new Borderlands 2 patch, which either they did it accidentally or intentionally, I don't know. But... There's a lot of stuff indicating that there might be new content for Borderlands like 2 boss coming. Name. Yeah. Now, do you guys think they might actually make it where... And this is, again, just speculating. It's nothing official. It's not real information. We're just guessing what might come next. 
but do you think it's possible that they make this little mini-sized DLC a pre-order bonus for picking up Borderlands 3? So if you picked up Borderlands 3, you'll get to have some new content to play through in Borderlands 2. Uh, I really couldn't tell you. Like, um, I think Submeadow said that the Steam database updates indicate that it's paid DLC. So it's not included in the season pass or the game of the okay. edition. But I, I, don't, I don't know how much I should trust that because these kind of things can change. And I also couldn't tell at all or couldn't say you at all. Could be a pre-order bonus, or if it could be even through the Borderlands VIP system, I, if, I can't tell if you. If this had been, you know, like two months earlier, I would have speculated that it was. It say this is a DLC. I would have speculated that mm -hmm. it would be a pre-order bonus for Borderlands Three. You pre-order Borderlands Three, and you get DLC for BL Two. It's it's a totally viable thought because. That's how you promote your game. I, I, a lot of people still play Borderlands 2. Like, uh, I think when Borderlands 3 was announced, the, uh, the player amount on Steam just skyrocketed. And uh, Borderlands 2 was like third most played game on Steam for like a day. I don't, I don't remember I do exactly. Remember that. We, it was either episode 1 or episode 2, we were talking about how the numbers on Steam just skyrocketed for Borderlands 2. Yeah. And even the pre-sequel, like, tripled in numbers or something. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, even pre-sequel got a lot of new plays. And obviously, Borderlands 1, 2, because of the release of the Enhanced right. Edition. So there was a lot of Borderlands going on. Yeah, there's, there's a lot of really exciting stuff that uh, we're getting with Borderlands 2 and Borderlands 3. And it's going to be really interesting to see what they do with this rainbow tier and to learn more about what Gearbox has in store for us later this summer and going into E3. We know that they will be present at E3 this year. They will be at Gamescom as well. And also PAX in addition to actually Guardian Con, which is a Destiny community event. So it's really uh -huh. interesting to see that they're branching out into kind of a similar demographic, I guess. But um, that's going to be really interesting to see what they have to show off during Guardian Con as well. And they actually, they actually kind of did that uh, earlier this year. Uh, because uh, with the hunt event, which I mentioned earlier, uh, the hunt event in 2019 was promoted or sponsored through Guardian Con. Uh, that was already a thing that was a thing. Um, like, I guess uh, they, they, they collected like charity for uh, St. Right. Jude. And that's, be that's because uh, the main people who organized the hunt uh, worked closely with St. Jude and Guardian Con. And Gearbox officially started to promote the hunt like that. Yeah, actually, it's ran by the same people. They do the Guardian Con, and it's also the hunt that they do. I believe that's every year. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, Correct. that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I'd love to be a part of that. Uh, maybe next year when they do that, that would be something really fun to participate in. I didn't get a chance to this year, but... I really love doing events that give back to 
really great causes like St. Jude's, amazing cause. So it would be really awesome to uh -huh. do something like that uh, in the future. For sure. So what's next for Borderlands 2 Reborn? Um, I couldn't tell you, actually. Uh, so after the new uh, update, which released two weeks ago, I started to take a break from uh, Build to Reborn, as I said, to prevent burnout. Uh, I want to push, uh, push a new update the next like week or two, maybe maybe a month, to fix major bugs added in the new update. And after that, everything's open, basically. Like I don't have any actual plans, uh, any things I actually want to push out for Build to Reborn. I do have a lot of ideas and a lot of things I could do, but again, it depends on how much time I have. How much time do I want to invest into this project? Um, I guess a few things I could name are things I, I had planned originally for Build to Reborn, which I wanted to push out faster, but I pushed them back uh, in favor, for example, uh, the hunt event I did for Build to Reborn. Uh, I wanted to rework most bosses in this game. Uh, in a way that, for example, we have Master G, the Invincible, which is a raid boss, and very annoying to fight. Nobody enjoys fighting him because he has a very annoying mechanic, and it basically drags the fight to be a 15-minute fight. And, you know, nobody does it because of that. And I wanted to rework him to be a more faster fight, but still be challenging without... Uh, or changing the mechanics so it doesn't take forever to actually fight him. And that was a thing I wanted to do. I wanted to rework raid bosses and bosses in general. So basically, uh, they were maybe faster, maybe slower, maybe harder, maybe easier. Uh, because a lot of people play Borderlands 2 in single player, right? Uh, they don't really match up. They just want to play by, by themselves. And raid bosses playing solo doesn't really go well together. I wanted to give people the option to fight raid bosses in single player. Uh, you, can, you can already do that, but it's extremely difficult. It requires a lot of min-maxing, and it requires playing Salvador. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I want to, people to have the option to do this in single player with any character, with the way they just play. Uh, another thing I wanted to do for BL2 Reborn was change how the Seraph rarity works. So the Seraph rarity is the rarity used for raid bosses again. And uh, they have their own vendors. I wanted to change the vendors to be to have a bigger stock. I wanted to add new Seraph gear, namely, again, shields, weapons, and grenades. And I wanted to make Seraph crystals, which are the currency for the vendors. I wanted to make them a bit more accessible. So they also drop from something which aren't the right bosses. Example, completing, let's say, completing a badass challenge rewards you three Seraph Crystal. So people have an incentive to do badass challenges, which are just like minor challenges saved on the save file. And I think that was a really interesting idea, but it was also a, bit, a little bit complicated to code. And I didn't want to completely break the balance and the flow of Build to Reborn, which is why I pushed it back into whenever I want to do it. And, you know, uh, uh, if, if, if I would name something for the new future and near future of Build to Reborn, what I want to get out is 
replacing every single unique item in the game. So there is no trace of uh, no traces of the original guns in the game. Because as I said, I wanted to people I wanted people to have a new experience when playing Build to Reborn. And finding, for example, a Framington's Edge, which is a very underwhelming gun, the original game, kind of breaks the immersion of that. How much money do I need to slip under the table for a gun to be named after me? <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I actually did make two guns in the last update, um, which are a reference to Joel's dude oh, and really? Killer 6. Because, yeah, I, uh, the first one is the Gub, which was replaced <laughs> to the Gub, <laughs> which is Joel Stude's right. favorite gun. And uh, I just basically, it was, it's just basically a very strong Gub with a new skin and a red text which says, uh, Sparky would be That's proud hilarious. of you. Which is, Spar- Sparky is his mascot, basically. And also the magazine size of the gun is always at a fixed a 139. Because his handle is actually Joel does he know that that's good. That... He does know. He that's does awesome. know. And uh, the other gun is the Salmon, which is a bandit shotgun, and it replaces the I think the dog. And uh, while holding the gun, you have a high chance of reflecting bullets at enemies. So you just—it's basically a shield as a weapon, and it reflects bullets to the enemies and you take less damage from reflecting and the red text says don't use it for cover because one of killer six's uh subscriber notifications on twitch are use the fish (laughs) for cover that's funny that's pretty cool but but yeah uh, going back to the uh how much money would i take so actually a lot of people I asked me if i have like a donation link if people can donate money if people can give me money for the mod pack and I always mentioned that I don't want to take money for Beals Reborn because, first of all, um, I do this as a passion and not like as a job or anything like that because I really enjoy modding Borderlands 2 when it works. Uh, if it doesn't work, I don't <laughs> really enjoy it. <laughs> and it's also not 100% my own work. Like, Beals Reborn still contains a lot of mods from other people, and I don't want to monetize that, obviously. That's awesome. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Are we able to make any donations towards your creation of the project? Or do you not accept any donations of any kind? Yeah, yeah, as as I said, I don't accept any donations because um, it's it's also less of a moral standpoint because uh, I I feel like if people would donate it to me so I can work on BLT Reborn, I would feel like under pressure that I would have to push out updates if people donate to me. Like, example, uh, somebody suggested I should put up a Patreon so people could just donate, like, $2, $2 a month to me, for example. And I didn't want to do that because, first of all, that would require me to manage Patreon. That would require me to manage, for example, rewards or regular updates on that stuff. And that would kind of put pressure onto me for working on this, which... As I said, I do this as a passion. I do this because I enjoy it. And I don't want to burn out on it. And, you know, constantly having to work on it does burn you out. And I don't want that. So I just work on it casually. I enjoy working on it. I don't want to take money for it. And I'm very happy with that, actually. That's really admirable. Yeah, that's great. That's awesome. 
So what do you do when you're not playing Borderlands or working on BL2 Reborn? I guess I don't I don't really do anything much different than most people. Like if I don't work if I don't work on Borderlands 3 Reborn, I either play other games, I go to Twitch, watch other people, or I just like enjoy my uh, my off time from work because I work a full time job. And I guess uh, games I play are obviously Borderlands, both modded and unmodded. Uh, I play a lot of Destiny 2, a lot more than I should uh, admit to. And I guess I recently picked up Risk of Rain 2, which is also a game published or developed, I, I think published by yeah, Gearbox Software. Yeah, it is published by them. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's a very fun game, and I highly recommend is, that game to everybody who likes Roblox. Do you have to have... Is it, do you have to have... Or are you... What am I trying to ask right there? Do you have to be playing with other people? <laughs> okay, because I wanted no. to pick it up. Uh, Risk of Rain. Risk of Rain 2 both has completely single player. It also has a private multiplayer and it has open okay. lobby multiplayer. I knew co-op was a big draw, but I didn't, I didn't know anyone who, who had it. A lot of people actually bought the game. Uh, they made an announcement today that a million copies oh, wow. were sold, which is, is insane crazy. because uh, the first Risk of Rain, the original one, didn't like get a lot of traction. Like it was kind of an underdog, didn't sell that much. And, you know, suddenly Risk of Rain 2, early access comes out of nowhere and everybody's playing it. Like it was super big on Twitch. It's still pretty big on Twitch. And I still see a lot of people mention and it's talk about it. It's developed by like only a team of three people. Yeah, exactly. It's developed by uh, Hopo Games, yeah. I think they're called. And it's only, yeah, it's only three people or something like that, which is it's insane crazy. to think about. Uh, they, yeah, they made a small 2D game back in, I think, 2013. I can't remember. And suddenly it's a fully fleshed out 3D game. Like they just took the idea of the 2D game and made a 3D game out of it. And I think that's insane for only three people. Yeah, congrats to them on that. Yeah, that's pretty incredible if you think about it for three people to create such a massive game that's pretty cool so yep. if you were to create a dream mod pack for borderlands 3 what would it be like i couldn't tell you at all because uh, i guess we don't know enough about borderlands 3 yet to uh, namingly say things I want to see, but obviously the big dream of every Borderlands modder is having actual modding tools for Borderlands 3. I think everybody wants that, just like Borderlands 1 had, maybe even better than that, because I think Borderlands 3 is like, or Borderlands in general as a franchise, should be as moddable as Skyrim. Like in Skyrim, you can do almost everything, how, however you want to. And I think Borderlands would be the perfect game for that too. Like, you already have a, an uncountable amount of guns. You have fully fledged out characters. You have skill trees and all that stuff could be changed. You could even make your own Vault Hunters. That would be like a dream of mine, making an own Vault Hunter. You can actually do that in Borderlands 1. Uh, you can 
kind of make your own vault hunter and which is super cool like one of the mods i'm not a yeah. huge pc gamer but i have played skyrim a lot mainly because of mods and one of them is like at the beginning when the dragon comes you can switch the dragon out with thomas the train can you imagine <laughs> just taking fictional characters and putting them into borderlands 3 in place of vault hunters <laughs> Uh, I, I do say that's not my kind of mod. Like, I, I prefer my mods to be, like, kind of lore-friendly and kind of fit in the game. Uh, but I do think, actually, for Borderlands, this is actually a very interesting idea. If you could take, like, I don't know, cartoon characters or anything like that and put them into the game and have them be involved, involved into the game, that would be something super funny and totally fit into Borderlands. Yeah, it would fit perfectly into the humor of Borderlands and everything. Exactly. So, final question before we dive into Borderlands 3. Which version of the game are you picking up this September 13th? Um, I, I didn't decide on it yet. Um, obviously, like, the best deal would be the deluxe edition because uh it's basically the, the main game plus the season pass plus some additional like customization content at a lower price than buying uh borderlands 3 and the season pass individually but uh i don't really first of all i i'm not a fan of the idea of reordering because you're basically paying for something which doesn't exist yet like you don't have direct access to it which is i i, I just don't like the idea and that's also the same case with the season pass. Uh, I don't enjoy, I don't like the idea of buying the season pass uh, when there is no DLC yet, because we never know what it might be. Like, um, let's for example take Destiny 1. I think in Destiny 1, the, the base game was pretty all right, and the DLCs were kind of like not that all right. <laughs> and people bought the season pass and they were very disappointed. And I'm I'm scared of that kind of thing. Like I'm 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 scared of being disappointed when I buy something when I pre-order, which is why I haven't decided yet which version I will be picking up. But with Borderlands Three, the more we see about it, the more I am leaning towards actually getting the Super Deluxe Edition because I have a lot of faith into the game, and I also obviously want to support Gearbox. Yeah, I think the game looks absolutely incredible from what we've seen at the Borderlands 3 gameplay reveal just a couple days ago. Which is a perfect segue. Yeah, perfect, perfect segue. So let's talk about it. Talk about some of the things that we saw at the gameplay reveal. And I have some good news to share. There were no magic tricks this time around. So, thank God <laughs> it was more content heavy. <clears throat> kind of funny hosted the event. They did a great job along with Fran Mirabella. Shout outs to Kind of Funny with Greg Miller, uh, What's Good Games, Andrew, Andrew Renee, and our clan member, actually, Fran Mirabella the third. <clears throat> so, they did a really great job with the uh, hosting of the event. And then Randy Pitchford took the stage. And I think that he introduced the Borderlands 3 reveal in the most perfect way. 
And I guess we'll start with that. And he says the following. You're a new vault hunt. You're a new vault hunter, and you've just joined Lilith and the new Crimson Raiders. Our enemies on Pandora are a fanatical cult called Children of the Vault. And from here, you and Lilith will fight side by side to capture and recruit. To capture the recruitment center where Lilith believes she can recover a key that will lead her to find the vault on on the other worlds. The hunt will eventually lead us here to the holy broadcast center where fearsome powerful bandit bosses named Mouthpiece broadcast propaganda to the children of the vault all over Pandora. We're here to invade the holy recruitment center to face Mouthpiece and liberate the key to the vault. I want to talk about Mouthpiece for a second. Um a couple months ago, I, w- I have this group of guys that I, on PlayStation, like I created a group and we only put, really play Borderlands together, but I was talking to them and I was like, what do you guys think of what Borderlands 3 will be like and how do you want it to be different than Borderlands 2? And so they answered and they asked me and I was, and I was thinking about it and the two things I said, I want. Borderlands 2 mixed with like a cyberpunk game. So like cyberpunk that's coming out and what it looks like with the futuristic technology and the big cities. And then I saw that Malawan city in the trailer, in the initial trailer. And I was like, oh yes, we're getting it. And then I saw Mouthpiece. <laughs> and I was like, this is exactly what I want. It looks like Borderlands 2 mixed with cyberpunk. The exact thing I said. And I absolutely love it. <laughs> Yeah, I do actually. I uh, actually do enjoy Mouthpiece's design, as far as we've seen, and the whole area. Uh, it kind of reminds me uh, of Boss Nova, which was an antagonist in Tales from the Borderlands, uh, which which kind of worked the same way. Like he uh, basically uh, fights you with music, and that's also what Mouthpiece kind of did. Like he fights you with sound waves yeah. and all that stuff, and you actually get his gun if you kill him. Which also shoots which really sound cool. waves. Yeah, I'm I I'm all for gimmicky guns, which is just like a weird. I like that. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, and we learned quite a bit during this uh, gameplay reveal that was hosted by Gearbox and Randy Pitchford himself, and we learned that. The Borderlands 3 game will maintain a classic Borderlands art style. There will be a lot of gore, a lot of guts. We know that you can change the look of your character. We're expecting emotes to be available in-game. Microtransactions? I don't know. If you ask Randy Pitchford, he'll say no. But if you ask somebody else, they might (laughs) say yes. I'm not sure. Um... We're also getting some pretty cool new features to the sandbox, like exploding barrels that you can shoot from the distance to kill your enemies. And there will be fire burn, corrosive damage, shock. The interesting thing about the barrels is we already had those, but now you can like hit them. You can hit them into people and then shoot them, which is really cool. Yeah. Funny thing. Um, a friend of mine is very known, a known 
and that the Borderlands community would be a team killer. And uh, when he saw these barrels and being able to shoot them around, he was the first person on Twitter to mention, hell yeah, I can use barrels to kill my teammates. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of possibilities. And uh, like using the environment in your favor, I think that's a really cool mechanic, which didn't really exist in Borderlands. And before. being able to shoot and do damage through structures. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that too. Like you can actually damage cover. Uh, that's super cool because a lot of people, uh, a lot of enemies in Borderlands 2 or Borderlands in general just backpedaled into cover once you went into fight for your life and you had like no way it's to come so back annoying. up. And I, yeah, and being able to destroy the cover and just kill the enemy, I think that that's a big I addition, agree. actually. And obviously, it adds a lot of a lot. Uh, the game feels more alive, like it's it feels less static. Yeah, and yeah, being able to really, climb on top of stuff and everything. That's a perfect way to put it. Yeah, it feels kind of more like Destiny. I know you mentioned Destiny. Um, it, it feels <laughs> like some of the mechanics they're adapting to it, where you can just kind of like glide and the way that movement is being introduced with jumping i think that it's gonna it's gonna be the perfect looter shooter i was actually yeah i was actually talking to my brother about it and he didn't watch the trailer or he didn't watch the gameplay event and he asked me how the movement is different because like if if we if they were to release borderlands 3 and have the same movement as borderlands 2 it would not do very well and it would definitely and so, not. Yeah, because, and I saw yeah. it, and I was like, I think the best way to explain it is, it's like Borderlands Two mixed with Apex, because Apex had the sliding mechanic, and then obviously you can mantle on stuff, and it still has that little bit of Borderlands Two stagnicity. If if I can put if that's a word, I don't even think that's a word, but you know what I mean, to where you still kind of <laughs> turn, and it's kind of slow, but it still has. Yeah, it looks like it's adding that quicker more active features like sliding and stuff like that which i love they actually they actually uh coming back to the sliding they uh, they didn't really show that in the official gameplay reveal but we could see it in the uh streamer gameplay uh the sliding actually deals really? damage kind of like 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 the um the butt stomp in Borderlands the pre-sequel so you could use it in your favor uh, to hit enemies or hit things in general, which is pretty cool. Um, and the mantling, I think it's a really cool addition. Um, it feels very natural, but uh, people said that uh, from the gameplay they played, uh, that they all, I think they all played in Malawan City. Um, mantling wasn't very useful to them, uh, they said, but... I still do think it's very good they added more movement options to this game. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, I love this. Uh, what I saw from the gameplay, I haven't played it myself, but uh, it looks really promising and really, really fun. Uh, from everything that we've seen during this entire gameplay reveal, I think they did a really awesome job with it. And another thing that I really appreciated about the environment in the sandbox is that like if there's oil on the ground, it can catch fire and you can throw right. like you can pretty much explode the ground and you can play more strategically to kill 
more enemies and it's it's such a fun new element i think that will make the game more chaotic and more fun and more more of the awesome mayhem that we've come to love from borderlands yeah mayhem is definitely coming yeah. very soon september 13th it's only four yeah, months we're, it's pretty soon and yes ground pound was actually confirmed from the pre-sequel to be returning yeah. oh it's actually coming back yeah, as a mechanic coming back and i believe they talked about it during the gameplay reveal if i'm not mistaken I'm, I'm i'm very glad that's coming back because uh it speeds up gameplay a lot uh being able to just slam down uh <laughs> while for example jumping Hold somewhere on one down second guys sliding down i'm checking somebody left oh uh i think it was oh, called okay. well you can keep you can keep going i will um see what's going on with why he lagged out oh he's offline right. so that means right. that he completely his computer may have oh, no. like restarted mine does that sometimes Well, back, like, the the little things yeah. that you always go through with uh, hardware, but uh, that's okay. Yeah. We'll keep pushing through, and he'll be back as soon as he is able to. Um. So yes. Yeah, so I I agree that ground pound returning from the pre sequel is definitely a, a really awesome feature. Also with uh, NPCs, you can rev you can revive each other now, which is also a really cool new mechanic that I don't believe was in the previous games. So this is something. Oh yeah, NPCs actually like kind of killed you. Like, <laughs> uh, for example, there's this uh, small uh, area in Frostburn Canyon where you go out and find Lilith, and you get invaded by bandits and fight along Lilith. And uh, when you, sometimes when you go into fight for your life, Lilith will steal your kills and she wouldn't revive you. So she effectively killed you by killing other enemies and not helping you back up. That's really cool. And you know, I feel like that's such a Borderlands thing to do. It's so special about Borderlands where they create gameplay like no other game does it. And it works in such a perfect way, the way that you can, you know, you're dying and you kill the enemy in front of you and you get a second wind and you get. That yeah, I think split no game has that mayhem. It's so awesome how they how they do it. And the art style, the voice acting, just everything is so awesome about that game. And yeah, so we know also that uh, new vehicles and abilities are coming to the new game. And we did get a preview of uh, a place called Sanctuary 3 as well, yeah. which was really cool. We actually got a chance to see what Sanctuary 3 will be like and how it's going to all come into play with borderlands 3 now we yeah i think i think uh sanctuary 3 as the social hub for borderlands 
is a great addition because it fits into the universe of Borderlands 3 because, uh, as I mentioned, we travel between worlds a lot. Uh, I think at least like three worlds, most likely even more than three worlds. And Sanctuary 3 being a spaceship fits perfectly into that. Yeah, I think it is such a perfect uh, social hub for the game. It's it's really the perfect place for them to have created for the game. It almost feels like the tower in Destiny, doesn't it? Yeah, I guess it kind of feels like it. Like uh, everything uh, you have basically in the tower is the same as Sanctuary 3. But I guess the tower is also just like as in any other MMO, just like your reg- regular big town. I, uh, I, it still, it's, it still feels like Sanctuary from Borderlands Two. Uh, from the first look, um, you still have your regular places. You have Marcus Gun Shop. You have uh, the Infirmary. You have uh, Crazy Earl's Black Market. But you also have new additions like Sir Hammerlock has his own place, which wasn't the case in Borderlands Two. Uh, Moxie has a new bar. Um, I think Ellie has her own workshop in Sanctuary. I kind of like scooted it. And we also have this, um, what's it called? The bridge, where you can navigate into new worlds. And we also have own player homes, which also wasn't a thing in uh, Borderlands 2. I guess we had uh, the bank in Borderlands 2, but that's about it. And now we actually have our own room, which you can like, we can structure our own room with things we like. Yeah, that's going to be one of the things. The new social hub, you can actually create your own personal space and you can customize it and make it your own. And I think that's a pretty cool new mechanic uh, or a cool new environment in the game, I should say. Mm-hmm. And also, we did see some of the characters that will be part of this new sanctuary three social hub which also i should add is the ship that is flying you to different places and different planets so that was really cool but um i think that uh it was really cool that we got a chance to see some of the characters like uh, mad moxie as well in this new space and we also know that we have a new vendor in Sanctuary who will be allowing you to upgrade your, essentially your um, backpack and all of your different weapons. Well, it's not, it's not really actually a new vendor. It's, it's still Marcus, which uh, was the normal gun and ammo vendor in Borderlands 2. And they kind of backtracked uh, to this idea. In Borderlands 1, uh, Crazy Earl didn't exist as uh, a vendor. And Crazy Earl in, in Borderlands 2, uh, he's the guy who sells you all the backpack SDUs, the ammo upgrades, and... Uh, oh, hi! I'm the co-host is back. Welcome back. <laughs> Welcome back. Hi. We were just talking about uh, Sanctuary 3. Okay. I had something interesting to say, and then my internet shut but off, yeah. and now I don't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine. Anyway, so um, they showed us that in Borderlands 3, you can buy ammo upgrades, backpack SDUs, and all that with actual cash money and not Iridium like in Borderlands 2. 
which that was the same case in Borderlands 1. You could buy your backpack SDUs and your ammo upgrades for normal money from Marcus. And I'm very glad they changed that back. I, I, I don't think many people like the idea of Iridium as a currency just for uh, ammo upgrades and backpack SDUs. Yeah, I grinded a lot for Iridium, and I agree. I think the new system is better and more player-friendly, I think, because mm -hmm. I found that eventually it got so tedious that I'm just literally farming around the social hub for Iridium for hours or finding... I think there was a boss fight that we would always farm for Iridium. I'm trying to remember which one it was. It was a while ago. Yes, uh, Madmaw. Mad Thank you. Madmaw. Yes, Madmaw. And I would literally farm Madmaw like 50 times and just get a bunch of iridium. That's how I would upgrade all of my items. Yeah, that's basically what everybody does. Which is why I think that iridium uh, as a tool to upgrade your backpack was a bad addition. Which makes me wonder what Crazy Earl is going to sell us yeah. for iridium in Borderlands well, yeah. 3. What do you guys think Iridium is going to do in Borderlands 3? Well, Marcus is selling um, storage upgrades, so I don't know right. what he's going to be selling. But we did, they, did, they did confirm that Crazy Earl is coming back as a vendor, and he will accept yeah. Iridium for question mark. We don't I, really know what I, it is. I just don't know what yeah. it would be since Marcus is selling the storage upgrades. I think um, if I were to have a guess, um, we could either see the return of artifacts from Borderlands Ooh. 1, which, uh, which modified your action skill. And that might be something which Crazy Earl could sell, because it's, it's kind of related to Iridium. And in general, I guess just illegal stuff, I guess. Like, for example, mo a weapon modification, which he could sell for Iridium. I wonder if cool. it could be a thing like, kind of like how like game live service games like Fortnite have item shops. If it could be something like that for him, but it's like skins, or in customization stuff. That could that could also be a possibility, which would make iridium as a currency uh, would change its value to. I guess. I I don't know how to explain it, but uh, as an actual second currency. Because I feel like Iridium as a currency in Borderlands 2 didn't do all that much. Like, you didn't really care about it once you got everything you could buy with Iridium. Yeah, and the other really interesting thing is that they confirmed that the campaign will be a 30-hour long campaign if you're just running through it, not even doing everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, PC Games actually did the article for that, I think. Uh, they did an interview with Paul, and he confirmed that the uh, story will be it will, uh, well we know that Borderlands 3 is bigger than Borderlands 2, Borderlands Pre-Sequel, Borderlands 1. Um, people obviously asked, how long is the game uh, on average? And he said, if you were skimming through the game without like doing side quests and all that, it's still going to be a chunk of like 30 hours. And I was like, whoa, that's a lot of gameplay. <laughs> because um, if you look back to Borderlands 2, you have three playthroughs. You have normal mode, you have true vault on the mode, which is basically new game plus, and you have ultimate vault on the mode, which is new game plus plus. Right. And 
if they would implement the same system into Borderlands 3, that's a and lot of gameplay. They already said they're adding Master Vault on her mode. Oh yeah, they also <laughs> did that. So that's a lot of gameplay. If that's only 30 hours just for basically speedrunning the game. I almost uh -huh. I almost wonder if they get rid of the idea of true alternate mode and ultimate alternate mode and just uh, make one new game plus, which basically works like ultimate alternate mode, like. which personally, personally, I think that's a, that would be a good addition. Just have one new game plus and have it work like ultimate alternate mode. Didn't uh, ultimate vault hunters mode come out as a DLC after the game originally came out with Borderlands 2? That's correct. Um, so the, originally, they didn't even want to uh, make something like Ultimate Vault for the mode for Borderlands 2. Um, when the game launched, you could level up up to level 50 and you know finish your first uh, and your second playthrough, which was True Vault the mode. And after that, the game was kind of done. But uh, if I remember correctly, people kept asking for more. Like they wanted another playthrough, like a kind of like Borderlands One, where you had pseudo UVHM. Like once you beat the game in the second playthrough, uh, the game just got harder, scaled always to your level, like UVHM does. And people wanted the same thing in Borderlands Two, but Randy was like, "No, we can't have that because the game was balanced around being level 50." And just just a, just a few months after that. Ultimate Vault and Mod became a thing, and people could level up up to level 61. And people were like, we want even more. And then they increased the level cap again by uh, 11. So you could level up up to level 72. And they also added um, overpower levels, which I guess uh, work differently than normal levels in the case that your, your player doesn't scale up. Only enemies and gear scales up. So it was basically like... That's really interesting. Harder than UVHM. And that's basically what they did uh, because people wanted more think, and more. And I think the level cap at 50 yeah. initially was just a problem because you could get to it so quickly. Yeah. Uh, well, it didn't take a long time to get to level 50. And I do agree that only having one playthrough in a game like Borderlands 2 was a little bit not not a lot because you could miss a lot of stuff. For example, quests. You didn't have a way to reset your playthrough to do the quests again, which you do have with Ultimate Vault on a mode. And that was a big problem. Like, it, did, it wasn't a fully thought, uh, thought through. Yeah, and honestly, I feel, personally, I feel like the more playthroughs you can do with one character, the better. Yeah. Just yeah, gives you I more agree. gameplay, and uh, it's going to be really interesting to see how they approach the end game content in Borderlands Three. Because from what we've seen, the game looks incredible, and if they also live up to the promise of the end game they promised, I think we're going to get a really, really incredible game. And uh, we do know. Uh -huh that uh, we will have some pretty cool new mechanics coming to Borderlands 3 as well, with loot instancing, where each player gets their own unique pool of loot. And this feature can actually be turned 
on or off depending on your preference. Yeah, so uh, when I first heard about this, or I guess uh, the, the first time we heard about this was through the official website. It mentioned uh, the system and was kind of confusing at first, but once you read into it, um, you kind of knew what was going on. Uh, we, did, we didn't know until the gameplay how it actually worked, but uh, people were already saying they hope that um, they can turn it off. And that's what, exactly what they did, which is very good. Because um, the, the problem with loot instancing and how they made it is that you can't uh, level up your teammates, if I can say it like that. In Borderlands 2, uh, a lot of people use power leveling as a way to bring your new characters or your friends character to a high level so they could start playing right away in right. Ultimate Volatile Mode. Because people people didn't want to do the first and second playthrough. They just wanted to straight up jump into ultimate both other mode. And uh, if loot instancing was a forced thing, that wouldn't be a thing anymore. You're, like, you couldn't power level your friends anymore. And I think if you disable, if you would disable loot instancing in Borderlands 3, you can still do that, which yeah, is good. Can. And yeah, yeah, and that's exactly uh, why I think it is good that they made it a toggle level option. And I guess also people like the idea of uh, ninja looting and having to fight for loot and all that. They actually promoted that quite heavily for Borderlands I 1. That uh, you saw a cool gun? No, I want that. I want that. And then you could just duel for it. They actually did it as a promotion thing. And... I think it would have been a bad idea to not be able to turn that off. Definitely. I That's think a great point. Out of everything I saw at the event, um, loot instancing is definitely the one that caught me by surprise, and it's definitely the one that I'm most happy about because it, there's nothing worse than, like, you have this character that you really want to level up, and then you want to play with your friend, and he doesn't have a character that level. So you either... One of you yeah. has to play under leveled, or you just have to restart. So I absolutely love that. Yeah, from the gameplay we saw, it looked super yes, fluid. It did. Uh, you can kind of, you can kind of imagine it like uh, playing Destiny, where uh, not the game, uh, not the characters, but instead the game had kind of thresholds where it would put you. So if you were in the beginning area with a level five character. And your level 50 friend would join. He would scale to that area, kind of. Like, he can still use his weapons at, uh, at its potential, but only up to how high the area scales. That's kind of how the um, loot instancing will work in Borderlands 3. Um, what's different, however, is that... Which completely blew my mind. Um, the loot, which drops, is actually separately balanced for both players. So the low-level player, for example, got level 3 guns, obviously. And the other guy, which was level 25, got to level 25 gear. The same gear, but higher level. That was in... I thought, that's it such is, a good it, system. It, and it's so innovative. So you, can, you can just... Yeah, I think... I have never seen anything like that before in a game. Like every time a game does something like Lulin's thing, for example... Uh... I don't know, let's say Diablo 3. Diablo 3 also has uh, loot instancing uh, built in, and it's not a toggle of option. 
And if you were to join your friend's game, uh, who is level 15 and you're level 70, you would also get level 15 gear on a level 70 character, which is completely useless. And making that so you always get gear on your level when you join your level of friend's game actually gives you an incentive to play with your friends, no matter if they are in the end game or just starting the game, because you still get rewarded. Yeah, just the fact that no matter what, no matter what level you are, no matter, it doesn't matter at all. You can just hop in with your friend at any time and play and not have a problem with damage or with loot or with overpowered enemies. It's, yeah, that, it's amazing. Yeah. That's just awesome. And, yeah, and I think for me, loot instancing will be pretty useful because in playing through Borderlands 2, all of my friends are like level 72 leveled up to the max and i want to experience the game on pc vanilla without having so this new mode will allow us to play with friends without having that problem and you don't have to battle for loot unless you want to play in the traditional way which you can so it's awesome they're embracing new mechanics and they're trying out new things but at the same time they're also preserving the traditional mechanics that made borderlands feel special definitely yeah and um going back to uh sanctuary because i know caleb did miss uh, a small portion of that conversation we know that Sanctuary is going to be a new social hub for in the main location for characters like Mad Moxie. And uh, it's going to be a ship that allows you to travel to different planets. Uh, but the other really interesting thing is that it will allow you to um, visit like a room like Sir Hammerlock's trophy room in Sanctuary, which looked very, very cool. And it looks like a place where you can essentially see all of your achievements. I thought it was a bit underwhelming because I had heard that leak that there would be a trophy room quite a while ago. I would say back in December. And I was just picturing something like with stands that you could like set guns in. And I don't know. It was, I saw it was like, uh, it's the idea is cool, but I was a little underwhelmed. I guess I was expecting too much from the leak. Yeah, I, uh, I actually also saw the leaks. I didn't really trust them at all because I don't really like I don't trust leaks ever. But uh, when I saw Sarah Hammerlock's trophy room, uh, I thought it is a really cool addition because Hammerlock didn't really serve a purpose or lens too. Like he didn't have his own like place like for example zed has had his infirmary crazy Earl had his black market and all that stuff and hammerlock was just hanging out in moxie's bar right. doing nothing and i think having a trophy room as his place is a good addition uh for his fitting to his character Speak. because he actually uh yeah sorry go ahead yeah no and borderlands you actually, uh, his armor lock gave you missions uh, revolving around creatures on Pandora. And I think he's going to do the same thing in Borderlands 3, except for all the planets, for all the different planets. And he's going to want you to kill 
small enemies, a lot of them, or big enemies, or unique enemies. And that's exactly, I think, what the trophy room is going to be for. Hunting, like, exotic animals or big animals sure. and all that That'd stuff. Cool. I'm curious what achievements you'll be able to acquire from that trophy room and what yeah. you'll be able to gain as loot, because there's going to be a lot of loot in the game. So it's going to be interesting how they reward you for your time doing these different activities for Sir Hammerlock. And we also know that uh, the Atlas Corporation will be headquartered on planet Promethea, which is a futuristic metropolis that looked absolutely stunning. Yeah, it kind of has this cyberpunk feeling all around it. And I think it's just a huge contrast to Pandora. Like, I, I, there is no bigger contrast between a wasteland and a futuristic yeah. cyberpunk town with skyscrapers. Compare that city to the dust. Yeah, exactly. It's, it, it puts us as the player into a completely different area. Like, we still have these people which come from Pandora, for example, but this time in a completely different setting. And, you know, that's not the only planet we are exploring. There's going to be at least three or four planets, if I remember correctly. And having the ability to experience completely different settings, I think that's never been in Borderlands before. Except, I guess, um, the jump from Borderlands 2 to Borderlands pre-sequel, where, you know, you suddenly were on the moon. <laughs> but that wasn't the same game. Yeah, and this looks like it's going to be much, much bigger than pre-sequel in terms of sheer size oh, and yeah, volume. For sure. For sure. Yeah. And we also know some interesting things like that the character as we know as Reese will not be played by Troy Baker and it will be played now by uh, Ray Chase. Yeah. Uh, so. Uh... I didn't really follow this topic all that much. I just knew that uh, there was this discussion on Twitter in uh, people asking Troy Baker if he was going to be in Borderlands 3 as the voice actor for Reese. And people also, and they both asked uh, Troy Baker and Randy, and there were conflicting like statements. That's all I got about it. But uh, in my honest opinion, first of all, I don't really care all that much about uh, which character is voiced by which person. And when I, when I saw the gameplay, when I actually uh, saw Reese and how he was talking, I almost didn't notice any difference between uh, Troy Baker and Ray Chase. Like, Ray Chase did an insanely good job at mimicking Reese from uh, Borderlands, or Tales from the Borderlands. That's good to hear. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's it's interesting to see why they didn't bring uh Troy ba Troy Baker back, but you know, at the same time it's a massive undertaking to create a game like this and it's not something that would make me not buy the game. Like I don't have that great of an attachment with the character. Like yeah, I think it's kind of crappy that they didn't ask Troy Baker to come back. It's shitty. But at the same time, is it going to stop me from buying the game? No, it won't. The game looks incredible, and I will be purchasing my collector's edition regardless. 
so something I wanted to pick up to that, uh, kind of related to that. Um, so people quickly picked up that Claptrap also had a new voice right. actor. Uh, it's not the same voice actor as the previous three or four games. And uh, they also reached out to the previous voice actor and asked him why he isn't in Borderlands 3 or if he is the same person but just has a different voice. And his statement was, I don't remember his name, I'm sorry. But his, David uh, Eddings. Statement was, David Eddings, that's his name. Thank you. And his statement was that Gearbox wasn't willing to pay him as a voice actor. Um, so he did, apparently he did all the voice acting for Claptrap in the previous games for free. And Borderlands 3 was the first game where he was like, all right, uh, if you want me as Claptrap, you gotta pay me. And Gearbox was like, no, we don't, we can't, we can't afford you. And that's why Claptrap apparently has a new voice actor wow. in Borderlands 3. That's crazy. Like, obviously, I don't know how much trust I put, uh, I should put into this because it's his own statement and not the official sure. Gearbox statement. But uh, I, I think it might be true, actually, uh, now that we have insight on the Troy Baker, Ray Chase argument. That's really, really interesting. Wow. Yeah, I only learned about it today, actually. Now. We also know we are getting some uh, quick change stations where you can customize your head skins, emotes, echo skins, and you can respec your build, essentially. We did talk about the uh -huh. slide mechanic while sprinting and the mantle ledge uh, feature that will be introduced to the movement in Borderlands 3, which I think is absolutely awesome. It makes the game feel more modern to have those features built in. And they did also state that we are going to expect to have the same writing style, same humor and dialogue will be returning from previous Borderlands games in a similar style. Of that course, was... not the same exact voices and same sounds, but mm. I don't, it may have just been me, but I, the writing felt a bit off in the gameplay I watched. I don't know. Do you guys notice that? Uh, I don't... I can't really comment on it because uh, we only saw a rather short extract of how people interact with you. And it, it also were new characters. Uh, I don't remember her name, but there was this, uh, like, Irish-sounding woman. Which, yeah, that's a name, exactly. And, you know, she's a new character. Obviously, she's going to have different writing than uh, the other characters. But we didn't really get to hear a lot from, for example, Lilith or, uh, let's say, Hamlock, Moxie, Marcus, all these returning characters which were always in Borderlands. We didn't hear a lot about them. Uh, I guess the only... Major change I noticed is how Claptrap talks. Uh, I feel like, to me personally, his he obviously has this annoying personality. Like he is built around yeah. being annoying, and and in the third game, 
I was I was like, why are there more claptraps? See, I I liked him in the <laughs> second one, but I don't know something about him in the in what we saw. Which again, like you said, we haven't seen a lot of it, but something just didn't feel right. And I don't think it was like just a voice being different. Yeah, his character, his personality in Borderlands, Borderlands Three, from what we've seen, it felt very forced. I, I don't, agree. I don't know. I think, I think that's I think the right that's word. Perfect, perfect way to describe it. Forced. But yeah, uh, as it goes for the other characters, I can't really give a good. Uh, I I can't really give a good comment on that because, as I said, we we haven't seen enough yet to judge that. Yeah, I think that's fair. But. But yeah, Randy actually mentioned very often and like years ago already that the next Borderlands game is going to be going back to the darkest setting of uh, Borderlands 1. Like Borderlands 1 always had this darker, grittier feeling of being a wasteland and Borderlands 2 didn't convey that all that much. And I do hope that we are going to see that in Borderlands 3 because I think that's the setting everybody enjoyed. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. I really loved Borderlands 1. I think that it had this very gritty, dark feel to it that you're right. It was very much missing in Borderlands 2. So it's going to be interesting to see them go back to that. But not only that, but then we have places that are a complete opposite planet in Borderlands 3, like Promethea, for example, which is this beautiful landscape. Yeah, we did also, uh, I think in the uh, reveal trailer, we did see this planet, which looked like basically a jungle planet. Uh, kind of like uh, the Hamelock DLC from uh, Borderlands 2. It kind of reminded me of that because we saw new creatures. We saw, we saw, these, we saw these monkeys wielding guns. We saw these fire-spitting dinosaurs and all that crazy stuff. We also saw flying... Uh, enemies and skags mounted on flying enemies and all that crazy stuff and yeah uh, these new planets definitely gonna have contrast between them which gives you a more unique feel to the game gives you more stuff to do it makes the game feel more different and more unique with the different things that you're doing in borderlands so i'm i'm really excited about this and you guys caught the boss fights too that we got a chance to see in the game i was really surprised that we got a chance to see some of the boss fights too like shiv who brought a knife to a gunfight apparently (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah he actually it was uh he was basically muted mutated (laughs) which (laughs) That's just so Borderlands. I don't know. It was a great introduction to a boss. And they did say they have much, many more bosses in Borderlands 3 than they ever had in any other game. And I think that's really cool because it adds more, like, uniqueness to the game. Like, let's take Borderlands 3, for example. You had three major bosses. Or four, I think. You had Sledge. You had Chrom. You had a Baron Flint. And then the end boss. That's it. Yeah, that's a great point. And the other really cool thing is that these bosses will have multiple stages. 
to their fight so that again gives you more of a feel like what destiny does with their raids where you're fighting through different stages of these boss fights so that will definitely impact the end game content in a pretty big way especially as you progress through and play through the uh, master vault hunters mode when that becomes available yep And we also know that the game is being built on the Unreal Engine. We also know that Atlas is under attack by the Malawan Malawan Corporation's private army, and you have to defeat uh, Malawan's army with zero. We know that... Yeah, we actually... ...situation. Like, we as a character, we land on Promethea, and we just... We get thrown into this war between Atlas and Malawan. And, you know, you actually fight along Zero for quite a while, which is super cool. Um, Actually having an ally to join you over a longer period of time. And these allies actually being useful. And this ally also being a returning character from Borland, too. That is, I think that is exactly what people wanted. And being able to revive you. They wanted... Oh yeah, and that too. So he's actually, he's, as I said, he's actually useful. He actually interacts with you as a character. Yeah, and we're also expecting to get Easter eggs too. A lot of Easter eggs are promised to uh, come with Borderlands 3. And we also know that the uh, Vault Hunters will have their own action skills and Two of the characters were revealed with uh, Zane and Amara. We know that uh, Zane will have Digiclone, Sentinel, and Barrier. Uh, For Digiclone, the um, description states the following. Spawn a Digiclone of Zane. This clone stays in place but but distracts and fires at enemies. For Sentinel, we know that it states that you send into battle an automated Sentinel drone that continually flies through the environment and attacks enemies with its machine guns. And finally, for Barrier, we know that it states the drop a deployable barrier that blocks incoming projectiles. Zane and his allies can shoot through the barriers, dealing increased gun damage. So those are the three main subclasses, or the three main skill uh, skills, that we will be starting out with by uh, starting the game with Zane. Yeah, so... Uh... Yeah, as mentioned, we, we saw Zane and Amara. We didn't see Mose and Flag in the gameplay reveal. But, you know, when I saw Zane uh, and I saw his skill trees, I saw what he can do, I was like, this character is the love child of all the characters I enjoyed in the previous Borderlands game. You, he has parts from Roland and Axton, and he has parts from Wilhelm and Jack, or the doppelganger. And what makes him extremely unique is that he can actually have two action skills at once. Um, I don't know exactly how it worked, but he basically, for example, he had his Digiclone and his Sentinel replaced his grenades. So Zane 
uh, isn't able to use grenades when using two action skills, but he gets two action skills, which is it's a very interesting mechanic. Uh, we didn't have that before. Uh, well, we didn't even have multiple action skills per, per, per character before, but uh, being able to use two of them freely is it's as unique as Salvador in Borderlands 2 wielding two guns. Yeah, that was the other really cool thing about Zane that he can have two action skills. So that's pretty big. Pretty, pretty big. Yeah, I think, yeah, so uh, the Zane is going to be, or uh, I think his class is uh, named Operative. And uh, if this game still follows the same class system as the previous Borderlands games of uh, Soldier, Siren, Hunter, and. Uh, or melee class or tank, uh, Zane would fit into the soldier class, which always was kind of underwhelming. Uh, for Borderlands 1, 2, and Pre-Sequel, we had Roland, Axon, and Wilhelm, which for all three games uh, were kind of neglected because, um, I guess, they are good characters, but they couldn't really compete with the other characters. And Zane, as the new soldier class, or the operative class, looks very strong like all of his skills fit very well into each other and being able to use two action skills at once makes him threat to be worried about <laughs> yeah i'm pretty excited to play a zane personally uh, i'm probably gonna start the game by playing with zane what did you guys think about tdr weapons <laughs> okay so very funny thing. Um, they with the, with the gameplay reveal, they showed tear guns having legs, and everybody kind of freaked out about that. Like that's such a cool. So with this Twitch Twitch extension, the Echo Cast, uh, when that became a thing, people very quickly picked it up and started data mining stuff from it. And it was actually um, a text file in the code for the EchoCast, which was just called datamine.txt. And when you open it, it was an, um, an ASI, just with guns with legs. Like it was the gun from the uh, re uh, reveal trailer <laughs> as, uh, as like a symbol. <laughs> that, was such, that was such a great find. Is kind of underwhelming in Borderlands 2 and pre-sequel. I can't really talk about Borderlands 1 for that. But, uh, like, yeah, they had this unique mechanic of uh, reloading as a grenade, but it wasn't really all that strong in most cases, unless you just chuck your whole mag into yeah. the enemies. And with TDR guns doing different things on reload in Borderlands 3, for example, guns with legs, uh, deployable turrets or exploding like Murph grenades. That is a really cool idea and it adds a lot more variety to and going back to that and build to reborn. Um I, I thought how could I make it more interesting? Because I always thought it's a very boring manufacturer. So I just added the uh, mechanic of regenerating bullets 
in the same way that you regenerate the gun, basically. Interesting. So while holding a gun, you just regenerate bullets that instantly made the manufacturer more interesting to use. And TDR weapons in Borderlands 3, uh, I think, are going to be very competitive. Yeah, and you, you said, like, TDR has always been underwhelming. And I've, I completely agree. I've always thought that. And then right when I saw them with the guns with legs and, like, the homing missiles, all this stuff, I immediately said, TDR weapons are OP. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just imagine being able to draw 10 turrets which walk into enemies and shoot them. That is so cool. I actually uh, streamer uh, went right away and tried that out, actually. Uh, the one streamer I watched uh, just used the TDR uh, SMG and just threw like 10, 20 of them at the enemy, and they were just a small army of TDR guns <laughs> on legs, just hunting at it. It was so That's cool. Funny. Yeah, no, I totally agree as well. I think that the TDR weapons look really, really cool, really promising, and um, different from what we had in previous Borderlands games. So it's going to be really interesting to see what they end up um, coming up with, with all the different varieties and guns that we are able to acquire in the game. Now, we also learned about Amara's skill sets, too, with Phase uh, Clasm. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, Phase Slam, Phase Grasp, and Phase Cast. Uh, for Phase Slam, Amara leaps into the air and slams the ground, dealing damage to all nearby enemies and knocking them up. That sounds dirty. Doesn't it? Knocking them <laughs> up? It sounds like she's going to have like a sex uh, session with them. Anyways, I diverge. Uh, for uh, Phase Grasp, it states that Amara summons a giant fist that bursts from the ground and locks the targeted enemy in place for a few seconds. And then finally, for Phase Cast, it states that Amara sends forward an astral projection of herself, dealing damage to everything in its path. Very cool. So that will be the Amara's uh, skill sets that we are going to get with Borderlands 3. Yeah, so I think that Amara is going to be an extremely unique character to the Borderlands. Always was kind of uh, supportive in Borderlands 2. Like Maya was always kind of the support character. She also obviously had a lot of damage skills, but in co-op she was most of the time support character with the um, the face lock right. skill. And Amara having three action skills and having face grasp as an option. Face grasp is basically the same thing as face lock, which I think that's a, that's a very good addition because you know uh, you you have you still have your supportive ability as Amara, but you have is very aggressive place that do for example face slam like uh they did say that or it looked like amara is going to be a very tanky character which is interesting for a siren we didn't have that before that's true yeah that's a great point so yeah that's going to be really interesting and then the 
other cool thing is we finally learned about the Children of the Vault, a new cult that showed up in Pandora. And Randy Pitchford did give us a little bit more information about the Children of the Vault. And they are being controlled by the boss that we're going to be fighting in the game. Um, Tyreen and... Uh, what's the other? Troy. I think Troy was it? Troy. Yep. The Calypso twins. So that's going to be really interesting. And also we learned a little bit more about Lilith and how Lilith plays a role in this new game as well. Um, and the gameplay reveal, which originally was released uh, on in at PAX East, at People very quickly picked up that Lilith kind of lost her siren powers through the Calypso Twins. And we kind of know how that happens now. Uh, during the game... She was shown to like act kind of like a vampire and drain the energy and life of a psycho. And I think uh, what we can conclude now is that's the same thing that's going to happen to Lilith. Like, uh, Tyreen is somehow going to siphon um, Lilith's siren powers and gives them to Troy. Uh, to Ty yeah, to it, Troy. It definitely looks like uh, that. As, because, yeah, because he suddenly had red tattoos all over his body, which he didn't yeah. have before. And it adds a huge plot twist into this game. Uh, like you know this character we we've known for since ever since the first Bolands uh, suddenly loses her main like characteristic like she's no longer she's no longer a siren and that makes uh, Tyreen a very hostile character very uh, a character which we need to be scared of because she has such powers to even drain siren and powers think about the final boss fight when you're fighting her and you're fighting two sirens, basically, even though Troy is more of an artificial siren because males can't be sirens. Yeah, and sirens are supposed to be the most powerful beings on the, on the universe. So that's a very scary yeah. thought. <laughs> yeah, that is really, really cool. And, yeah, and they also show how the characters are built in... Uh, Borderlands 3 as a character and, and they went with this um, basically they made Tyreen a streamer right. <laughs> which goes back to, which, which goes back to Children of the Vault uh, being at the uh, uh, Holy Broadcast Center or whatever yeah. it's called and uh, she was talking through the echo uh, like being a streamer like she said remember to like, favorite, subscribe all that stuff kind of like how most YouTubers do it nowadays and I think that's a very interesting approach for an antagonist. And it adds character. And a very unique one at that. It's going to be interesting. They always, yeah, they all, uh, they, people always uh, were afraid that, you know, Handsome Jack is that. And Handsome Jack was the antagonist from any game ever, almost, because Handsome Jack is referenced so many times when when 
there's going to be a discussion about antagonists in the video games. Uh, kind of like Vass from Far Cry 3. Like, those two friends. Yeah, and it's... They, they had to compete with Handsome Jack for Borderlands 3. And I think uh, taking this connection to streamers is a very funny approach. It's, it wouldn't be fair to compare any, like, to, to think that Borderlands 3's antagonist will live up to Handsome Jack. But that's because of the power of Handsome Jack, even when he was dead, he still found a way to be the main villain in Tales of the Borderlands, which is crazy. Exactly. So, yeah, you can't expect the antagonist to live up to Handsome Jack, but I, I do expect him to be, Tyreen to be pretty scary and powerful. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And we also know that we'll be fighting with Lilith, and um, we're going to be trying to investigate the Children of the Vault. And Lilith is looking for a key to guide her to find vaults on other planets. Uh, we're going to be fighting alongside with uh, other characters as well, besides Lilith, that will be returning from previous games as well. That was confirmed by Gearbox at the gameplay reveal event. Now, let's move on and talk about some guns because they're yeah yeah right a billion guns or something like that something really crazy over a billion yeah, yeah. Over and a billion. in order to make the guns feel special we did learn that the guns will have multiple firing modes some will have for example semi-auto bullets and micro missiles some guns can switch between multiple elements as well like incendiary and cryo we might even get some guns that have legs, guns that split into rockets, and other crazy shit that we have not seen in Borderlands before. Yeah, so uh, when the streamers got access game, um, near the end of their play session, uh, the developers reached out to the streamers and told them, uh, hey, you can press this button, but only for a short time. And it was kind of funny. So the streamer I watched, yeah, he held the button down and his character just started spitting out loot. That I, was I what the button that. did. Uh, it, spawns, it just spawns loot. And he held it for like five seconds and he spawns <laughs> so much loot. So we got the a lot of legendary weapons which are coming to Borderlands 3. Uh, I think somebody compiled a video containing every single legendary that was shown during the gameplay reveal. And those were 40 legendary weapons which were caught, and that's not all of them. And going back to Borderlands 3, uh, Borderlands 2. For example, uh, I think there were four legendary Jacobs shotguns for a single manufacturer and a specific archetype of that weapon. That is insane, that is insane. to think about. And from what we've seen, these weapons all have very unique effects, obviously just like the previous games too. And none of them didn't seem to be very underwhelming like some other legendary weapons in the previous game. 
But as I said, we haven't seen a lot of gameplay yet. We haven't seen how the game scales, how the end game is going to be. And we don't know yet how these weapons will perform. But um, I guess the manufacturers seem very different compared to the previous games. They all have their own very unique gimmicks. And I think that adds a lot of build variety if they end up all being viable. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that uh, we actually covered different manufacturers that will be coming to Borderlands 3. And there are quite a few to make the game unique and different. And I can, I can start to understand how they're able to accomplish what they're able to accomplish and what they promised us with Borderlands 3. That's going to be a lot of weapons, and they did also confirm that uh, Children of Vault weapons will not use bullets and instead will have a recharge timer. So that's going to be another interesting twist to the weapons in the game. And uh, uh, Torque weapons will have alt fire as well. Yeah, so Torque weapons in Borderlands 2, they all had this, uh, they all shot gyro jets, which were just very slow exploding projectiles. But the problem with that was everything in Borderlands moves, so it's kind of hard to hit the enemy when your projectiles move very slowly. And, ooh, looks like Seawile disappeared again. Yep, it looks like Caleb lagged out again. I think his internet was having some yep. issues. That's all right. We can move forward, and uh, we're almost done. Hey, welcome back. Yeah, he's back. This <laughs> never happens. I don't know why it's happening so much. That's right. I can confirm this is the first time that this has happened with Caleb's recording that we've been recording together anyways. So, uh, yeah. It's um, very annoying. Eh, that's all right. Shit happens, you know, when you record, you got to expect things to go wrong. I've learned to expect things to not always go perfectly and uh, to expect the unexpected. <laughs> but uh, yeah, going back to weapon rarities, we know that uh, we're going to get common weapons that are going to be white, uncommon, uncommon weapons that are going to be green. Blue weapons to represent the rare rarity. <laughs> rare rarity. That's a cool uh, statement. And uh, purple will represent epic. And then orange will finally uh, mean that you got a legendary. And we got some more information on legendaries where legendary weapons will have uh, more different effects and will offer unique mechanics and abilities. And we also learned that the higher character level that you are, that means you will have a higher chance of getting better, more rare loot. So uh, that was really cool. And we learned about uh, weapon skins also being a thing in uh, Borderlands 3. So that's, I think that's something new to the game. I don't think we've had weapon skins before. Yeah, we didn't have that before we only had like the default gun the game gave us and we couldn't modify it at all we couldn't change its appearance we couldn't 
uh, like the game didn't have, even have these all fire game uh, these all firing modes. Uh, we just we were handed this gun and that was it. And uh, like we saw first of all, right? That's a lot. Um, I think uh, from what I saw, up to fifteen weapon parts can go into a gun. Going from coming from Borderlands Two, where you had like four. That is an insane amount, 15 weapon parts. And that adds a, like so much variety to the weapons. Like Weapons are going to be even more random. Weapons are going to behave even differently. And, you know, and now we also have the weapon skin system, which, again, kind of reminds me right, uh, of Destiny with the shader system, which probably is going to work the same way. Like, we'll, we, we will just have... Um, different color palettes who swap from for the guns so we just have like all our guns imagine like we could put a torque skin onto a hyperion weapon like that would be pretty cool yeah, that would be pretty pretty awesome absolutely and uh yeah so we also learned that flak will be um possibly invisible he can go invisible Oh yeah, they they did show uh, during the official trailer video they showed us. Uh, they did show a little bit the other two vault hunters, which were unplayable. Gameplay revealed, and uh, we did see that Flag can go invisible, which is pretty cool. And we did also see kind of how he. We did see that he has three animal companions. Uh, which is, first of all, a skag. He's going to have, I think, a spider ant. And uh, one of the new creatures, one of the monkeys. And uh, it looks very interesting, like the way he spawns them, the way they interact with the environment. We, we did see that. I'm curious to see how, how you upgrade like the animals. Yeah, we could we could assume that every animal gets their own skill tree, which I do not hope that's the thing because that would make Black very reliant on his uh, sure. pets, which I'm never a fan of. I'm never a fan of. For example, imagine Gage in Borderlands Two being always reliant on Death Trap. Yeah. I don't think that's a very enjoyable mechanic. So I just kind of hope that he has one big skill tree for all his companions. For example, uh, you you have a skill which just says all your companions deal X percent more damage for one skill. That would already be a good addition. Instead of saying, hey, your spider and companion has like 5% more health. Imagine being able to like upgrade on the skill tree for like a skag and make it a corrosive skag. Oh, that'd be cool. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting, actually. Yeah. Just turn them in the badass variants yeah. of the normal enemy type. Now, I know we talked about this in a prior episode, but uh, radiation will be replacing Skag, and that was finally Slag. confirmed. So that's going to be another pretty big change that is different from the previous Borderlands titles. Yeah, so in Borderlands 2, they added Slag an element which it didn't serve 
any purpose besides increased damage against a flagged enemy. And in Ultimate Vault on a mode, they made Slag very, like, you had to Slag enemies to deal damage. And nobody liked that. Nobody liked the idea of having a Slag weapon always at you. Nobody liked the idea of having to Slag an enemy every time yeah. to deal damage. And in general, it was just a very underwhelming element. And Radiation replacing Slag is a very, very good uh, uh, addition. Like, uh, we did see a little bit of radiation gameplay, and it looks like a much more interesting and dynamic element than Slag, and it's probably going to be not as effective as Slag for additional damage, but it does act more as an actual element. Pittsburgh did say that and, if you radiate an enemy and then, and then kill him while they're next to not their enemy, they'll blow up and radiate the others. Yeah, that is super cool. Like, you just chain react uh, one enemy into another. And even, like, with these flying barrels, and they'll imagine, like, throwing a, a, a radiated barrel into an enemy, killing that enemy and setting off a chain reaction with that. That is a really yeah. cool mechanic. Yeah, absolutely. Also, um, going back to Borderlands modding, um, radiation was actually made as an element in Borderlands 2, kind of. Uh, not the way it is in Borderlands 3, but uh, another mod pack uh, made a replaced slag with radiation as an element, <laughs> which kind of worked like a corros corrosion and slag in one element. Like it still reduced, uh, or I think it reduced enemy armor. Uh, so you didn't really deal additional damage to them, instead, they just had less armor. Which is still kind of the same thing, but that's, that's what it was in the yeah. OG Borderlands. And yeah, exactly. And slag or radiation in that case also dealt damage over time. And I think it also uh, spread to nearby enemies. So it was is it works kind of the same way as it does in Borderlands Three, except you know, radiated enemies don't explode. That's really interesting. Yeah. And we also know that midgets are offensive, so they are being renamed to tanks. Yeah, I don't know what I thought should think about that. <laughs> they look very they they look they look like babies to me. I don't know. They look weird. Yeah, that was that was. I mean, I I don't think mid. Like to have midgets in a game is necessarily offensive, but if someone is offended by it, then certainly I, I understand the change being made. But I would never, yeah, obviously, um, you know, uh, try to offend somebody, certainly. Uh, so also, we know that paid customizations have been confirmed, maybe like heads and skins. Uh, Depending on who you ask, if you ask Randy Pitchford, he might tell you otherwise. Uh, but he did mention that the game will have a kick-ass campaign DLC and season pass. Um, do we want to talk a little bit about microtransactions and whether or not they will exist in Borderlands 3? Because yeah, according it's a, to... It's a straightforward Randy answer. Pitchford, um, so, so that thing with Randy Pitchford... On stage, he said there won't be microtransactions. He said that 
because I guess he just doesn't understand what microtransactions are. There, there are two types of microtransactions, good microtransactions and bad. The bad ones are the ones that affect gameplay. So like Battlefront 2 microtransactions are bad or were bad. But Borderlands 3 will have good microtransactions in the sense of paid customizations for like just customizable heads and skins. That's it. Yeah, so uh, microtransactions, Borderlands 3, uh, it's always a topic which comes up uh, when I talk with people about Borderlands 3, if it's in, on Discord or whatever. They always mention, I hope Borderlands 3 doesn't have microtransactions. And the first thing that comes to my mind, Borderlands 2 also had microtransactions. People kind of forget that. Like every character had six purchasable customization options, which I think were three dollars each that is quite the sum for microtransactions actually and people just kind of ignored that fact and i think borderlands 3 is gonna have the same system of microtransactions like it's just gonna be very minor customization things or emotes like uh, we know have emotes and yeah as as uh Seawell said like they won't affect gameplay uh, they won't be loot boxes as we always hear about in other games and yeah i would consider these good micro good microtransactions like it's a good way to additionally monetize the game besides uh the original purchase and these microtransactions they also fund the season pass for example borderlands 2 Borderlands 2 had basically three seasons. They had the season pass. They had uh, what came after the season pass was the ultimate vault and emotes. And they, even after that, they still uh, brought us 500 headhunter packs. And I think all of this was funded because of DLC sales, game sales, and also microtransaction sales. And I think it's a very important addition nowadays to fund a game for the future like i don't know i feel like while it's not good to have a fully uh, a full price game and additional purchases i do think it is a modern solution but it needs to be done right yeah agreed agreed there are certain ways that monetizing a video game is not only an option but is almost necessary because you know to have a large team of game developers working on a video game on a constant basis you have to fund such a project and that's just the reality of any business that is to succeed you have to make money so if them releasing little skins and different things that help to fund the game and will allow me to play more new content later on in the future. I'm all for that. Another thing, Pitchford did say there won't be loot boxes, which also fall into the bad microtransaction category. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, if, if you look, for example, at Overwatch, I guess, uh, Overwatch only has uh, customization items as microtransactions but they are always bundled into loot boxes. 
And also these customization items also use a currency, which are only available through loot boxes, which it's kind of a gray zone between good and bad. But I'm very glad that Borderlands 3 does not have loot boxes. Like you can just, if you see a skin on the store you like, you want it, you can get it. That's it. Yeah, yeah, very well said. Yeah. So, wow, we talked about so many things tonight. And before we end the show for the night and maybe play some video games, grab some dinner, whatever we do, sleep. I know that. Hey, it's only it's only midnight for me. It's only Fine. midnight. <laughs> uh, I do want to ask you guys. What are you most excited about with Borderlands 3? Now that we've seen the big gameplay reveal and we know a lot of things about the upcoming game, what are you most excited about? I am excited about Borderlands 3 for the same same reason why I make Build to Reborn a thing. Because I want my, I want to experience a new game. I want to experience new things. I want to experience new characters. I want to experience new loot. I want to experience new enemies and new worlds. I just like the idea of having a completely fresh game and learning everything again. And I think what we've seen from the gameplay reveal, that's definitely going to be the case. There is so many new things to learn. There's so many things to explore. We have multiple worlds. We have many new characters and we have so many new guns. Yeah. And Caleb, what about you? What are you most excited about with Borderlands 3? Um, I could sit here and just tell you a thousand things, but I have mentioned a few of them before. I'd say there are three things that I'm most excited about. One is the variety of the different worlds and planets and everything we're going to, because we haven't seen that yet. And so I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm really excited to see how the Tales characters are transitioned into an actual Borderlands base game. Them, of course, Vaughn. Um, and then finally, I'm definitely excited about loot instancing. I think that's like we talked about. It's so innovative, and I just can't wait to not have to worry about that anymore. Yeah, I agree with you on everything. Me, I'm most the different planets that we get to play on, especially places like Promethea. That looks so cool. I'm really excited about the boss fights in the game and the different endgame content that we can expect with Borderlands 3. And thirdly, I'm excited about the weapons. The weapons look really, really sick. And I feel like if it wasn't for the weapons in the game, we wouldn't really be playing the game. And the fact that so much care and emphasis went to create each and every weapon and to make them feel so special and unique and different, that really sells me on the game in a really big way. And it's going to keep me playing Borderlands for well after the game is out with the season pass that we're expecting that will be giving us new story content, new campaign content for 
an entire year. So the game is going to feel fresh. The game is going to be incredible. And I am so excited to play this September with Borderlands 3. And I'm I'm super excited. Just overjoyed excited about it. Like a kid at Toys R Us. I am so, <laughs> so overjoyed and excited about this game. Just so many different things. And awesome job um, to Gearbox and Randy Pitchford and the entire team. They did an incredible job. So thank you guys. <laughs> For all that you guys do, I'm predicting it right now. Yeah, I think I think you heard it here first. Borderlands Three Game of the Year 2019. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think I was I was very insecure, or I was I wasn't very sure how Borderlands Three will fit into this modern video game society. I guess like how looter shooters are built right. up nowadays, like being always online, all that stuff, how would Borderlands fit into that? And with the reveal and the gameplay reveal, I think it's very safe to say that Borderlands, while still using the old formula, being a single player looter shooter, will still absolutely crush the looter shooter genre and redefine it once again. I'm right there with you. I thought the exact same thing. And one problem I had going into it was I thought Borderlands 3 might not have a chance of like words because I thought not only would it might seem outdated, but it also might only appeal to Borderlands fans. But after I saw the reveal, I realize now it's going to be so welcoming to new players that have never played a Borderlands game. I just want to mention, I just want to mention quickly that Borderlands 3 gameplay reveal, it was streamed on Twitch and it beat every other character on Twitch on that day. Even games like Fortnite, Apex Legends, Dota, League of Legends, all that stuff, those were all beaten. I think Borderlands 3 at that day had 300,000 viewers, which wow. is insane. No other game that before, I think, for a reveal. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, that's phenomenal. And I think that's a testament to all the hard work they've been putting into the game for the last five years and all of the innovative things that they're doing with the game in terms of both the gameplay, in terms of the movement mechanics, in terms of the guns, the sound mechanics in the game, every aspect of the game is being given a lot of care and a lot of attention to. And I'm so excited as both a fan of the series, as both a podcaster and somebody who really has a lot of appreciation for video games because I'm a gamer. I love video games, whatever games they may be. I love all kinds of games. So I'm super excited. It's going to be an amazing year in video games. And this September is going to be absolutely incredible. All right. So on that note, gentlemen, where can we all learn about you, Captain Kobe? All right, so uh, you can learn about me on Twitter. That's like the platform I use mainly on Captain Kelby underscore. That's it. You can also find Build to Reborn on Nexus Mods. 
You can find my Discord on the Nexus Mods page for Beal to Reborn and also on Twitter. And that's basically the main places I hang out. And I guess also in Twitch streams for Borderlands. Very cool. And we will have all of these links in the show notes at borderlandsshow.com. So make sure to go there to find links to where to find Captain Kobe. And Caleb, where can we learn more about you? You can find me on Twitter at cwilmoth15, C-W-I-L-M-O-T-H-1-5. Very cool. And you can find myself at OMG Cornholio on Twitter. You can find the Borderlands Show podcast at Borderlands3POD. You can also find us on Instagram at, what is it, Caleb? The Borderlands Show. The Borderlands Show. There we go. So make sure to check us out wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure to check us out. Give us some love with a subscribe or a review. We really appreciate your feedback. And thank you very much for hanging out with us for the big reveal of Borderlands 3. We hope you all have a great week and we'll see you next week.